Welcome to another episode of the Strong Stylish Podcast. This is a uh, quite ahead of schedule. Normally, it's bi-weekly or monthly sometimes. But I'm joined today. Well, first of all, I'm Sonoda. And today I'm joined by a very special guest. I am joined by JD of the Red Leaf Retrocast. Why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself, JD? Yeah, thanks for having me. I, l- I like uh, most of your podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've been... I'm JD. I've been doing Red Leaf Retrocast for, uh, man, uh, I think four years for the wrestling one now. Just reached 100 episodes. Yeah, uh, a lot. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's been quite the journey, quite the grind. But for 100 more. Oh yeah, especially like years of that. Was was it like that? Was the first like the beginning of it? Was it hard to get off the ground? Like was it hard to get into the rhythm of doing it all the time? Uh. Well, I did like a little YouTube thing at first to get comfortable uh, with a mic and then uh, transitioned into just a simple podcast form. So that, that was uh, kind of what we were already doing. And then it just uh, started with the retro gaming, then the anime, and then had a bunch of fans from them uh, know I was a big wrestling fan. And I was like, I'll try the wrestling thing out. And as I branched out and found my voice and niche of what I enjoy, uh, the women's wrestling thing is really taken off. Uh, have a big passion for it. and. I uh, didn't realize that it would kind of uh, get this much traction as it has. It's been it's been a lot of fun doing it. Oh yeah, it definitely is because not just like the the t- the two big ones TJPW and Stardom. It's a lot of like LLPW, older AJW stuff that you've been dabbling into that you do uh, stuff on your Patreon for, right? That's right. Yeah, uh, I, I love learning. I love seeing things that I've never seen before. Uh, big fan of. I'm a big fan of like 80s and and 90s just in general Uh and the whole uh, culture behind it. So when I dive more into just my general interests with video games, anime and wrestling, that uh, that those eras just kind of click in weird ways. And so kind of having retrospective of the past to what I like in the modern era is it's it's a lot of fun to compare and contrast and. Uh, just the way my brain works, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, it's also true because you know, no matter how far we get, you know, history always repeats itself. Something you've seen back then is going to happen today, and you'll have that connection between both. Yeah, exactly. It's uh, something. It's, it's definitely <laughs> a subject that people tend to take with a lot of uh, negativity. I've noticed uh, with feedback and people online, <laughs> just in general, and yeah. they. When you start criticizing the past, uh, a lot of people, unfortunately, think you're kind of shitting on their childhood in a weird way. (laughs) Like, well, no, Shenmue is not a good game. It doesn't hold up at all. Uh, (laughs) You may have liked it in 1999, but 2022 is not a good game. (laughs) Funny enough, I was literally I literally listened to the episode yesterday about uh, Sega Europe. Was it Sega Europe? Uh, The. Oh, that was the uh, cinematic, right? Yeah, that was the cinematic one. And a game like Yakuza holds up way better while Shenmue doesn't. And the same things applied to wrestling when I go like, I don't have nostalgia for late 90s WCW, but I'm super interested in watching it. Like, I stopped watching as a kid because it was bad. Now, Mm -hmm. as an adult, like, well, why did I stop watching as a kid? Oh, because it's really bad. You're like, oh, this this really is terrible. Yeah, like, man, (laughs) this is even worse than I remember. (laughs) Oh, well. Uh, let's hop right into uh, Revolution, shall we? Yeah, very uh, all-time great pay-per-view. Oh, yeah. I missed most of the buy-in 
really felt like an episode of Rampage or something. It was very much worth going out of your way to see. Uh, yeah, I was like, I was confused because I got there. I was, I got there in the middle of the House of Black uh, Death Triangle match. That's definitely a match uh, worth checking out, uh, especially if you're a fan of tag team and trios wrestling or a, a more lucha style. The character work and way Malachi Black has come into his own and be like sometimes he gets a little over the top with with his his character work. However, with a match like last night where he was he looked very uh, what's what's the phrase? I guess uh, creatively fulfilled in the ring where especially when after they get through a lot of the uh, lucha spots and getting all the high spots out of the way and then it's just Eric Redbeard comes in the ring and it's him and I think it was Buddy Matthews just kind of look over and they go, oh, come on. <laughs> they, can't, <laughs> they can't get rid of this team. It's very good. Yeah, it was. That, was, that one I quite enjoyed. I was too busy. Uh, I was playing King of Fighters 15, so I missed like the first two matches. Yeah, definitely go back and, and watch that one. I was, I was a huge fan. It was in my... I, I, I had to really deliberate what my five favorite matches were of Revolution. And when there's... Let's see, I think it was... Nine, ten, eleven, twelve. Uh, Thirteen matches total on the card <laughs> at, at the night. I was like, man, coming up with the top five was hard. <laughs> oh yeah, I remember, uh, uh, Matthew stumbled a little bit when he tried to hit his curb stomp. Like he couldn't get his foot in place, so it kind of took him a little. <laughs> <laughs> uh, next up was the tag of the ladder. What came first, ladder match, right? On the main show, yes. Open no, it's Jericho show. Kingston. Oh, that's right. Because uh, I was having a hard time with uh, Fight TV. <laughs> it was giving me the runaround. So I miss. I caught the end of this match. Another match. Uh, you know what? Instead of uh, repeating myself, <laughs> uh, every every single match on the show outside of the women's matches. Uh, I know that's harsh oh. coming from a guy who's got a big passion about women's wrestling. Uh, uh, some I, some of it was tragic. I'm sorry. <laughs> it. Every single men's match across the show was, you could argue, four stars or better. You want to put that that kind of uh, grade on everything. Mm-hmm. The All the stories that kind of came to a fruition at the pay-per-view, which everything... that That's where everything should point to. When a company has four pay-per-views a year and maybe some TV specials to kind of get you there, uh, AW has established that the pay-per-view is a, is a, is a blow-off feud type event. And it's it, seemingly the men's matches were all told well uh, on weekly television and Kingston Jericho was... Jericho's a strange case, though, in, in ways that he doesn't do just kind of blow-off one-offs for pay-per-view. He likes programs and he mm-hmm. uses... He clearly has a lot of input, uh, much like a lot of the roster, into his matches and into his feuds. And the Kingston mat, like singles match seems to be kind of a start, kind of like the Orange Cassidy. Uh, uh, that, that's probably his best, best example of how he operates. So he's kind of the exception to the rule. But the whole point of, of it was getting Kingston to get that big win on the pay-per-view, which was a culmination of a story in itself. Uh, what a what a great match! How they started out with dropping Jericho on his head, and leading up to all of the big kind of idolistic moves that Kingston has throughout his his life, and ends with a stretch plum of all things in twenty twenty two. That was, was oh, yeah, very yeah. enjoyable. 
definitely put a smile on a lot of people's faces when they saw that. Never count out Chris Jericho. <laughs> Never. Ever, ever, ever. You may hate his political opinions and his real life persona, but when it comes to the wrestling ring and uh, what he is able to accomplish in the ring, he, there's a reason why people give him, hold him in such high regard. No, definitely, definitely. He's he didn't get here for no reason, right? And then next up was the ladder match, right? Or the no, it was the tag tag title tag. match. Okay, tag title three way. <laughs> Being in the show was a little. Some of the some of the matches on the show were that cage <laughs> match, man. <laughs> <laughs> I have like a little grid pulled up, so I'm just kind of like piecing it together. But uh, yeah, some of the matches were placed kind of weird on the show, though. Like, how so? Like. uh where we put like uh, the the tornado the tornado trios the lucha match basically with uh, a a h f a h f o and uh, uh, Darby staying in Sammy like that was placed very late in the card. I I mean I suppose when you look at when you look at the way Japanese cards are made, it always starts slow and builds to all the title matches at the back end of the card. And Mm -hmm. when you look at, I've noticed when I look at European or indie wrestling in the United States, there's a large intermission in the middle and what that allows them to do. And I, I see it all the time is they have a hot opener. And then before intermission, they have a, let's call it a main event. And then after your 15, 20 minute intermission, they come, come back. And they can kind of restart that trend again where it's a hot opener and then ends with a big main event. So they're able to structure the card differently with AEW pay-per-views. It's kind of, you don't really have a structure like that. There, there's no format that they go on. It's, it's always just how they feel feuds are going to be able to, I guess, pay off uh, when it's surrounded by other matches. And one of the decisions on this show was surround the dog collar match with the women's matches. And then uh, if you want to kind of say the back third of the card was uh, focused on Moxley Danielson and Paige Cole. And there was that. I, I, I can't call them a buffer match because that implies that you shouldn't care about it as much, but it was certainly not as high a profile match. And that seemed to be kind of the structure throughout yeah. the card. Because they had three, well, the three big ones. They had the the Punk, MJF, uh, Moxie Danielson, and the Page Cole. And, but like the matches in between them were meant to like cool you down a little bit. Between those three, I mean, I guess. Yeah. I mean, there was only one match where the crowd was like super silent for, and that was the women's title match. Yeah, and that's always a a thing that happens mostly with Rip Baker matches. Uh, yeah, there's, that's been a big competitive issue, I suppose. <laughs> I was, I was putting out uh, whether it was a lot of us in discord discussing it, uh, for Rachel Bradley Fletcher cast and just myself online talking with other uh, fans and one, one tweet kind of blew up. Uh, I say blew up. It's like, I don't know, 50, 60, uh, responses now, but the, when it comes to the AEW women's division, uh, as a passionate women's wrestling fan that I am, I I want the second best top wrestling company in the world. Uh, I'll, I'll say WWE is the top right now, just because it's 
it has the most reach. I want the number two to have a good women's division because it has the funding, it has the capability of doing something special and different. And when I consistently and constantly see that it's last on the totem pole for this company, it's very frustrating. And Britt Baker, and it's not just her title reign. It's all of the title reigns across mm-hmm. it. It's it's always booked as a last priority. It's always booked uh, the same. We can we can give the least amount of time to this over and over and over again. And when you get to pay per view or a big singles match, anything, uh, the crowd reacts as such because that's what you're conditioning the audience to be like. And this Thunder Rosa Britt Baker feud was a culmination of a poor build, a cold challenger that should have been hot by default because of the the match from last year. But if you remember, I mean, people are having kind of, I've noticed a lot of people have a false memory when it comes to that. That feud wasn't built up well last year. It was just a good match that had the shock value. The, The match itself wasn't built well at all. It was just, it just kind of happened out of nowhere. And it happened to be in the main event, the the first and one of very few. So when that match happened last night and with the poor stereotypical match booking that plagues uh, Western wrestling with just the uh, consistently obnoxious interference that doesn't garner the reactions that an NWA match in the 80s would, you get you get what you got last night where it was very small crowd reaction. They wanted to like it. I wanted to like it. And uh, it came off flat. The match started flat. And then it, when you do something like that on a card, uh, it, it hurts the match after that. Cause it took a long time for the crowd to get into Moxley Danielson. And it wasn't cause the crowd was tired. We saw it throughout the night that no matter what match it was, the crowd was into it and hot for just about everything on the show, including I, I was listening to some pundit podcasts and others. And they're like, ah, I was five hours. It's too long. Well, it didn't hurt the main event. No, definitely. everyone was bumping for the main event. Uh, so what, what, what makes the women's division? What is, I'm trying to decipher what is the thought process behind the women's division in AEW? Cause it, it, it's, it's two and a half years now. And I, when AEW was first formed and we we're, we're all kind of talking about it and going, okay, a lot of the women are very inexperienced. They need a lot of training. They need TV readiness. Uh, let, let's give them two to three years. And we're approaching that third year mark uh, come this April of this year. And there's been no active real efforts to change. I know I'm talking like a lot over this, but it's been really on my mind. <laughs> Don't worry about it. <laughs> the, there's there's been no change in an effort made to truly kind of dive into the division. Uh, whether you can listen to all these women go on uh, various outlets and it do interviews, uh, they all kind of say the same thing. Uh, yeah, they, we train with Dustin like once or twice a week. Some some women go in for an extra training session. Uh, it, it's like okay, that's that's good. Why is it only mm-hmm. Dustin Rhodes? Why 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 are we only hearing him and QT? Okay, they can teach you the basics, but what about the rest of it? What about 
match structure? What about getting reps on the indies? And I was talking with a couple other guys about, it's like, okay, if they, something needs to change because when you look at the indies that are coming back, who's out there kind of putting in the work and trying to get better and do it and, and doing the hustle, right? <laughs> and it's kind of Thunder Rosa because she's run, running MPW and she's showing up in Warrior Wrestling. She's kind of everywhere. Yeah. Who else is there? Britt Baker's got her dent- dental practice. I understand there's only so much time. But she's also the women's champion. How much time is she putting in? You don't hear about that. Uh, Jade Cargill, you hear about getting train- training sessions with Brian Danielson. Okay, good. That's a start. She's improving. You can see it. Uh, everyone else? Not seeing all that much. Not no. hearing all that much. No, not at all. Like you don't hear about or or see rather like them doing anything outside of AEW. Yeah. So I, I don't want to just immediately say, oh, it's them. They need to try harder. It could also be. It could very well be the indies themselves, just not booking the women. Uh, because when you look at cards uh, outside of, say, Beyond Wrestling, uh, one that's local to to myself in the New England area. They kind of booked the same four women over and over again. And when you look at other various indie promotions, they kind of also book the same one or two women on their shows. GCW only books Alley Catch, right? Yeah. Maybe plus an opponent or intergender matches. A lot of companies book intergender matches. Okay, there's there's a lot of women out there. And why am I only seeing, say, the Renegade Twins on an MPW show? Does make a lot I, of sense. I, yeah, so maybe it's the indies themselves that yeah. just don't want to book the women. They don't they, see them as as big enough stars. They just have this status quo set for them, and that's what they get. So it's it's very hard for me as a fan to even get invested in something I want to like mm-hmm. a lot. And it's not. I'm not going to pretend AEW is the only uh, a falter in this. Like Impact Wrestling has a lot of issues in themselves. Uh, much of them are similar, despite what a lot of people may say. Uh, we know about WWE's circumstance. Like almost everything's, uh, in my opinion, like atrocious <laughs> over on that end. Uh, and then, and there's there's just not a viable kind of fourth promotion out there anymore. Uh, maybe Ring of Honor will change, but. TK Tony Khan said he's going to book that too. What makes me think that's going to be any different than what he does in AEW? Is this going to be a longer rampage? Could be. I mean, they certainly have the roster for something unique and different. Uh, could it be developmental? Could it be a third brand? Could it be uh, a super indie show? Which I'd really lean towards something like that. If you want to keep Ring of Honor alive, I don't know if you would brand it Ring of Honor. It's a big side tangent, but yeah. it all... It, to me, it all circles down to my point of the the women's wrestling, and there just needs to be something out there for them to get reps to get better in the ring. Because the Britt Baker Thunder Rosa match last night was also a glaring example of just two people that are put out there for a 17 minute match on a major pay per view, and the wrestling itself was very subpar, in my opinion. The booking was very stereotypical, which is incredibly frustrating. I, 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 how did you feel? Did you feel like they wasted a pay per view match last night? Yeah, what we saw it. Yeah, the the interference was too much. It, you know, the the reverse, like the when they would try to do 
their holds and counter holds, it wasn't it wasn't smooth. They were just kind of out there to do the match. Yeah, and and when we kind of see the destination in place where it's two weeks, it's 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 just two weeks, ten days from now in San Antonio, and it's Thunder Rose's hometown. And I've seen the argument uh, and people coming at me <laughs> just going, oh, well, it's a cage match and Thunder Rose is going to win the title there. Like, well, I don't care anymore. Yeah, that That's doesn't make problem. it any better. Like, we just saw this nothing match on pay-per-view with a bad build. Thunder Rosa, to me, is cold. She's, mm-hmm. a, cold, she's a cold challenger. And that's been an issue plaguing this company since, since day one, essentially. They really don't put in the effort for challengers. And whether it was Cody or Tony Khan just saying, oh, well, I mean, the record's like 28 and 5. Okay, but they're never on TV. We never see the 28 wins. Yeah. We don't even see one half the time. <laughs> Yeah, uh, it even with uh, Riho, like she was just popped in there when she had her match. Yeah, every every challenger just has this kind of just one match that goes. Oh, mm-hmm. well, they're going they're going to be the new challenger now. Riho comes in, and they just go. Ah, well, she wasn't eliminated in the battle royal back in August. Well, it's fucking four months ago. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just hope they remember this. And that Ruby Soho comes in, wins the casino. She gets a very subpar uh, uh, main event, as I'll put that in quotes. And then as everyone fears with, that's the other thing. Everyone fears with AEW that people come in and then they just kind of disappear. Well, with the women, they truly disappear. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) They're out of sight, out of mind for the most part. After that. What? Where has Ruby Soho been since she lost to Britt Baker at the uh, the stadium show? <laughs> Nowhere. The last time I saw her was at the GCW show. Yeah, it was the last time I saw her as well. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and that was nine minutes. That's not a lot. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a huge... There needs to be a huge structure change and, and initiative with this division and I don't know the answer to it anymore. I mean, I could suggest a Tony Khan buy fucking Mission Pro and trust everything to Thunder Rose on that end and then I I can't even say like bring someone in. Uh, You could just assign somebody to try to book a women's division, not Maria Canellas, despite what she has to say. It's not her. She is not the answer. No. (laughs) But there needs to be some delegation. I I am... I, I, you, there has to be something different with the women. And I know a lot of fans out there was like, well, no, you got to treat them equal. And I go, well, no, they're women. They are different. It's a different style that needs to be done. A different booking pattern needs to be done because mm-hmm. they're not the men. Mm-hmm. Like you can't, it, you can't run the, the Moxie Danielson story with two women in a way. Well, uh, right. There's the, the, well in the, in terms of like history and yeah, there 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 isn't twenty years of history with with women's wrestling to kind of go off of. It it must be looked at differently because it is different. Yeah, there, you you like, like what are you going to bring out Ally Bunny uh, and go on a story from Shimmer ten years ago? Yeah. No, because there's yeah. the most like ninety percent of those women are retired now, <laughs> and none of them are in the company. That are still there. I mean, the most interesting thing is the Serena Deeb Sheeta story, and those are based off five minute squash matches that they took over from Dark. 
Yeah, and, and it's yeah, it has to be something has to be done. Whether it's something they do with ROH with that IP that they have, they could run something there with it. Have them get more reps over there. Besides on dark, maybe more people will see it. Yeah, maybe. Uh, I mean, they could be, they could be doing something with dark and elevation this whole time, but even that format just doesn't change. There is there is a format that AEW has stuck with now for quite some time. And there is I mean, to be fair, there's no reason for them to change it. They're very successful. TV ratings are are growing uh, slowly but surely. They're up year over year. They're breaking pay-per-view records each and every time over. So there's really no from the business standpoint, there's no sense for them to change everything. It's a hot promotion and the main storylines are, are, are working out and people are into it. I'm into it. I'm one of those people. From my fandom of women's wrestling, there has to be a, a different initiative. And I don't have the confidence any of that will change because there's no real reason for them to do unless someone takes that competitive initiative to try to be better at it. Which is a shot in the dark at this point, really. Yeah, yeah. So I'm watching Mission Pro Wrestling and and Beyond Wrestling and <laughs> a lot of Joshi and even WXW in Europe. And that's kind of where well WXW in Europe has has different women's issues. <laughs> <laughs> the skill level is you, quite. You funny. found any and all alternatives to what they have in the West. Yeah, and I, I'm I'm whether I'm going to talk about it on my podcast or write something up about it. Uh, th- there is there is something that is very uniquely different to women's re- wrestling in the West uh, from a booking pattern wise. I got to really wrap my head around how I want to word and phrase it. So I guess look forward to that in time. <laughs> awesome, that was a. Quite a big tangent, but let's go back to the, the world title match, the world tag title match. We had Jurassic Express, Jungle Boy, Luchasaurus uh, versus Red Dragon, Bobby Fish, Kyle O'Reilly, and the Young Bucks, Matt and Nick Jackson. Yeah, it's it was my favorite match of the night. Uh, three out of three stars. <laughs> three out of three recommendation. That's my, my little scale. Mm-hmm. Uh, very easy. Very, very much easier. Yeah. Oh, do I highly recommend this to somebody? I absolutely do. Easy. <laughs> Watch this right now. Watch this right now. And, uh, from the main card, nine out of 11 uh, were at least two, two out of three or, or better. And I love these kinds of matches. Mm-hmm. I, I do wish I do like the Young Bucks are so good at incorporating the goofy tag rules and, and tags and, and time counts. And they kind of manipulate the refs uh, to just go, okay, we got to appease somebody. So we got to tag in tag out. Uh, but it's essentially Lucha Libre with six people in there. And the mixture of, of what makes Lucha Libre so great and exciting and fun and fresh uh, put in there with some, Western storytelling or Dragon Gate style, uh, which they undoubtedly picked up on when they went to Dragon Gate all those years ago. Mm-hmm. What a what a amazing, amazingly interesting match to watch uh, between the two, between the three tag teams. Do you, fantastic. Do you think the match would have uh, been hindered if it was uh, Top Flight instead of the Young Bucks? Well, I mean, we're talking about one of the greatest tag teams of all time and how they're able to 
yeah, structure these kinds of matches together. I mean, they're they're the movers and shakers of these things. I don't think it would have been as structured as well in the ring unless mm-hmm. it was someone like the Bucks that put the match together. It would have been more chaotic. I think there would have been a lot more just high spots, sure. Uh, how concise and, and structured it would be, I, I'm not confident that Top Flight would have been uh, better over the Young Bucks of this case. Uh, do I want to see Top Flight kind of adapt what they're doing into a more story-structured style like the Young Bucks or Red Dragon or a lot of these more experienced teams out there? Yeah, but that, that's something they'll learn in time. Yeah, they're still incredibly young. Both of them. Yeah, they have a really bright future. Definitely. Uh, together. And it, it did speak a lot, too, of how much faith they had. Because when the brother was out, uh, Dante was always on TV, for the most part. He always had something to do. Yeah, he really he really lucked into something. He's he's super exciting to watch. Uh, I, I am still of the mind that Darius Martin is, is better and have the higher ceiling. Uh, if you're familiar with MLW, he was Airwolf over there. And that's mm-hmm. when I first saw him. Um, mm-hmm. I dabble with MLW from time to time. Yeah, I used to <laughs> once upon a time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, top flight. It, they they need to hold on to these guys at all costs <laughs> and and groom them for the future. Because even though Private Party is kind of stunted right now, it's it's not because there's nothing to do. They keep they keep them with AW has has done a good job of keeping people kind of fresh insight out of mind. The men, anyways. Uh, with with private party being in Matt Hardy's group and uh, not the biggest Hardy family office fan, but private party's always there and they're they've really improved on their character work and it took a while and now we have Isaiah Cassidy getting a lot of shine, much like Dante Martin did in his own special way. AEW is really good at getting these guys into big highlight matches and showing off what they can do. Yeah, definitely. Do you think uh, when eventually Jeff does come over, do you think they'll have a private party in the Hardys run something? Yeah, I don't know. It sure seems like Matt Hardy's going to get kicked out in some way, mm-hmm. and that'll lead to the Hardy boys getting kind of a one last final run. That's that's the vibe I'm getting off it. Uh, I would not mind, you know, the first feud being kind of the Hardy boys against private party. You get a match there. Maybe you get Butcher and the Blade kind of in there as well, just to get them warmed up and you can build them up to those matches that you actually want to see, whether it's Red Dragon, Young Bucks, or SCU or... Well, it can't be SCU anymore, according to their dumb little... (laughs) (laughs) Stupid there. Yeah, they're done, quote-unquote. Next up, we had the uh, Face of the Revolution ladder match, which was Wardlow, Kristen Cage, Keith Lee, Orange Cassidy, Powerhouse Hobbs, and Ricky Starks. Fun showing. Mm-hmm. Uh, very, very inventive. Uh, I did notice that the ring was a little bit lower last night, and they were also using shorter ladders. Wonder if this had anything to do with it. <laughs> but there was a lot of inventive spots. Uh, no one kind of, you know, <laughs> died. Well, no one died per se. Uh, there yeah. was a nasty bump by Ricky Starks at the end there. Oh, from, yeah, that from was Wardlow. He got stacked. And then Keith Lee threw Orange Cassidy so far that I think he messed up his shoulder pretty bad. That's what I've heard coming out of it. Uh, That's just an accident of what happens. That could have happened in a regular match, just doing the Keith Lee spot in general. 
but I like I like what they all set up for it. Big win for Wardlow. Uh, he has definitely been built for a win like this. Uh, it really felt like a match Christian helped put together himself. There was a lot of structure to it. A lot of things made sense for spot wise. Uh, there was good kind of you know magic tricks where it's slight the sleight of hand. They did they did that with the three big dudes on the ramp, and you're like, I wonder what's going on in the ring. Well, it doesn't matter if the camera's not there. It's out of sight, out of mind. Uh, pretty. It, it was, I like this way more than a lot of their previous ladder matches where there's a lot of miscommunication. And I'm, I'm really leaning towards the theory that Christian had a lot to do with this one. Definitely. There's, there's a reason why he was in the match. I think that's exactly why. And he took like one bump the whole time. It was funny. <laughs> he had the, <laughs> the Makabe role. <laughs> <laughs> He's out there being a coach. Yeah, I, I mean, if I was to put kind of the yeah. worst men's match on the entire show, this was it, and I still vastly enjoyed it. Oh yeah, definitely. This is it's it's a ladder match. It, it, it can go really well, or it can go not horribly wrong, but it can it can be messy. Like the the one that happened in GCW, that was uh, quite the showing. Well, that's a great example of a ladder match without any structure, and it's just doing high spots, and it becomes. It becomes a dangerous mess, and oh, you don't yes. want that. Yeah, hold the ladders, please. And then next up, we had the uh, TBS title match: Jade Cargill against Ty Conti. Uh, I do want to mention that the Layla Hirsch Statlander match, while it was messy in parts, uh, Layla seemed to be kind of off her game. Uh, I can't imagine why. It's like her home nation is uh, under scrutiny in war. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, poor girl. But, yeah, I, I can't imagine what, what she's thinking of, especially going out there with uh, her Russian colors. And I got nothing against nationalism. You're very proud of where your country and your origin, your culture, uh, mm-hmm. even if you disagree. I mean, shit, uh, I'm an American and I disagree with a lot of things this country does. <laughs> uh, but that, uh, yeah, that, that women's match, a lot. So between Cargill Conti and then Hirsch Statlander, they all kind of hit the same way with me. Uh, and it's got me to realize there's there's definitely things to work on for sure from in ring perspective, but the the booking of the match, I really get the feeling that this is Kenny Omega's work uh, with a lot of it, or at least in the sense of Statlander and Hirsch, where it's like, okay, you guys are very athletic. Try the spots out. What's the worst can happen? You don't get them, or you get your high spot and people react accordingly, and then the finish is definitely someone else, because I would... I, I'm very much not convinced that Kenny Omega would come up with constant interference type stuff. That seems like a Tony Khan thing. He's very into outside interference, people getting involved, getting on screen. I understand that. I mean, I'm I'm a fan of the territory days in my own weird r- retro way. But I also don't agree that so much of that era translates properly inside 2022, if that makes sense. Oh yeah, definitely. Different times. I mean, to me, there's nothing wrong with the outside people getting involved with each other. Mm -hmm. It's when they get directly involved with the match is where I think a lot of modern fans roll their eyes. And it doesn't get heat like it would in the 80s or the 70s and 
this match kind of was a representation of that. Like, why is Tay Conti taking out Mark Sterling? Do we really hate him that much? Uh, no. Yeah, <laughs> for the most part, he was out of sight the whole match. He didn't really do too much. Yeah, and then Jade Cargill turns around, bicycle kicks Anna Jay. That was kind of cool, but it's yeah. like, okay, she's a heel. That's that's fine. Yeah. Uh, and, but then Anna Jay turns around and chair shots her in the head. And you go, well, well hey, <laughs> hold on. Wait a minute. <laughs> it, it had to be the corner, too. Yeah, don't she has a little much? So in yeah. terms of... In, in, in terms of the these two women's matches, like I wouldn't say they were good, but I would say they're far from bad. Uh, Jade Cargill, I really like the booking behind her uh, from match structure and her kind of in ring capability wise. Uh, they they never do. They kind of learned their lesson. Never do too much with her. Never don't want to go outside her ambitious zone. So like, let's, if she can't grapple, let's, let's not do grapple. If she can't do the run the road, like, so there's, there's signs and you saw it a lot in the Britt Baker Thunder Rosa match, put your arm up, then they duck under and run the ropes and they do a spot, put your arm up, duck under, then you do a grapple and then you go to the ground. Jade Cargill matches are very, very much veering away from that. That's what makes them work better. While when you look at the Hirsch-Statlander match, Hirsch is way better at grappling, so it comes across better. Statlander's strong as shit, so she just bodies her. <laughs> <laughs> so and from that entertainment perspective, I, I, I really enjoyed them. Mm -hmm. uh, Tay Conti, I think, has hit a wall with her development. That's kind of where I'm thinking someone like her and Anna Jay. Like, what's the problem with these two being a tag team on the indie scene traveling? I think there, there's money with that uh, to be made. And why wouldn't an indie promoter like want to book these two yeah, against yeah. various other people? And then they could get a lot of reps in doing that. And uh, I think it was Omega, a guy in the Discord. Uh, and I, I looked into a little bit more and uh, some with local promoters. And if Tony Khan wants development, he can just say, hey, here's all our people's indie rates for developmental I uh, I will pay for their travel and you just pay them like outright because they're independent contractors or they can split the flight cost kind of, kind of thing and hmm. there there is there is a way to do that that makes sense because like, they're not they're yeah they're not they're not on TV every week they're not traveling no I think I was sorry. Yeah. I was going to ask. Uh, does Beyond still do their the Women's Discovery Tag Gauntlet tournament? Uh, you're talking like Uncharted Territory. Yeah. Uh, so they lost that right. Now it's in the South, ah. but now it's closer to Florida. So that's more opportunity. Uh, man. That uh, yeah, a, that could be a good spot for them to land. Yeah, I mean, my my thought was if I'm like the Renegade Twins or Kylan King or somebody like that, like trying to break through, mm -hmm. I would spend <laughs> all my time in the Southeast and trying to get on those Uncharted Territory shows every week. And then various other indies across Florida and Kentucky and those kinds of places. Just get what you can. Yeah. Or even too, like if it's close enough, have them drive there. Mm-hmm. Oh, I mean, it's the United States. Nothing's like close to each other. Yeah. You either going for northeast, southeast, or west coast. 
Yeah. Really. <laughs> it really is like, it's an elongated triangle. Yeah. I mean, my big idea I floated around was Thunder Rosa takes MPW on the road, kind of with AEW. Mm. And it's like her and all the women, whether it's her women, and, and if they can get some sort of, I guess, traveling circus, if, if you will, because that's kind of what it is. And they make their own loop just following AEW shows. Yeah, and you wouldn't I think have to do I think there's some value in that. Like too much, you would just have to what, change the screens and do uh, different aprons between. I, I mean, I'm just saying like small venues. Oh, okay. Yeah, you just you just run locally at like a basketball gym or something, and shit. If you can get one to three hundred people there, I I'm I really think that they could get more than that because I think there is a lot of star power to offer. And you could do some cool main events that they could practice for. There needs to be a loop. There needs to be a loop for these women. They just don't have it. Yeah, they need they need the practice. They need the reps. They need the experience. Yeah. So yeah, long-winded answer. Jade Cargill defeats Conti. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Uh, next up was the dog collar match. CM Punk versus MJF. Well, what'd you think of it? I... CM Punk has some sort of skill, even when he came back the first time when he appeared on Rampage. When mm-hmm. he does things like this, I, 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 don't, I don't know what happens. I get chills when he came out with the the shorts, his old song. Like, I got chills watching him come down. Did you recognize the AFI song? Yes. So I didn't. <laughs> I was like, I think it's his Ring of Honor theme, but I, I like I don't I never really watched Ring of Honor. So yeah. I like I was just assuming that much i was like ah, he's doing a lot of callbacks yeah okay and i'm like i don't really listen to afi is, is that <laughs> afi <laughs> you're over there like yes. <laughs> you're there holding your phone up what's what song is it <laughs> <laughs> yeah and i'm like asking everybody in chat is that his old ring of honor song i think it's his, and we're all just like maybe <laughs> i think so can't really hear it the, the lyrics are shouty <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's like yeah, uh it's like if uh if they lowered the volume on the House of Black thing or not the uh, Argan Roost his his <laughs> thing. <laughs> yeah. Like what yeah. Was that? But no, yeah, this is uh excellent. Uh the way they started off where uh MDF was trying to pull him back but uh Punk wasn't budging. It was very classic. It was very yeah. classic wrestling. I, I I think for a lot of fans of older wrestling and the old wrestling styles and storytelling like this is going to be the, it's either this or the Moxley Danielson match those are going to be their matches of the night for a fan like myself it was more along the lines of Paige and Cole and the various trios matches mm-hmm. like I like action I like fun I like non-stop energy it's just what I gravitate towards as a fan which is weird because I do like the old NWA stuff <laughs> as well <laughs> yeah and th- this that was yeah, this was very classic. Yeah. Uh, this is this is where AEW is at its biggest strength. And the more I decipher over those various interviews from whatever wrestler you hear, uh, the Big Swole interview was kind of very... It, it, Big Swole, Sheeta, uh, and, and um, very, various other people. But the, I'm, I'm saying those, the, those two women in particular because they say a lot with saying very little with all the men that you hear on like it's unrestricted or, or when you hear interviews of punk, 
there's like, oh yeah, AEW is very receptive. It's very creative. Uh, Tony Khan listens to all your input. And it seem it, it seems to me that anyone with creative ideas gets that's how that's how you get on screen in this company. And that's how you get into the big feuds. That's why you always see Jericho. That's why you always see Punk now and MJF. That's why you see Brian Danielson. He's 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 always there creatively coming up with these and the, these these all look like programs based on their ideas. And then Tony Khan just kind of finds a way to book a storyline onto TV with with that idea. And they sit down together. That's that's my vibe I get from it, just from deciphering all these things. And then you have the select people that they want to get over just kind of on their own. Uh, that's your Sammy Guevara. That's your uh, Garcia. Daniel Garcia. Your Jade Cargill. Your, your Britt Baker. Yeah. And I, I, I get the feeling Britt Baker has ideas and they're all bad. <laughs> <laughs> I would not doubt that. Like I am a f- I, I and do, do you get that same feeling uh, after like two and a half years that the people with ideas are the ones that get on screen? No, no, it's it's definitely true because you look at the people like uh, the long term with uh, Paige and Omega. That lasted. Oh yeah, two years. Even Sting, Sting's always on TV. Well, he's Sting. They always <laughs> just want him out there. Yeah, yeah. Then you had uh, even uh, people's interest dropped when Moxley Moxley wasn't there for a long time. When he was doing well, his recovery, yeah. Then Darby Allen, like his ideas are are of the artistic uh-huh. mind. He does so. All you his, always um, get pre tapes and stuff. Yeah, yeah, and that's that's where he gets to be creative. Mm-hmm. He he gets his yeah. pre tapes and those little videos and cool. And that's Darby Allen. That's cool. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's similar well, to uh, like what uh, Malachi does. Yeah, I mean, he has his house of black. That's his idea. That is something yeah. he was very adamant about getting over, and now he has his he, he has his yeah. group. Could you saw and, hints of that in the, those last promos he was doing in the in WWE before he left? It's kind of what he was trying to get at before he got uh, released. Yeah, and now now he's got his uh, he's got his elk tribe around the uh, around all the wooden chairs, and they're all going to have a nice little dinner and. <laughs> 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 it's very, uh, it's weird. I'm very into the group, even though they get yeah. kind of too tongue in cheek about it at all. But um, I guess where I'm going with that is yeah. even like the best friends to- and uh, sorry, uh, proud and powerful when they had their backstage, their parking lot brawl. Yeah, and it was very, it was very much of that comedy ilk that the best friends like so much, and that's you know, with Sue's van and, and all that, and then uh, LAX, proud and powerful. They they like kind of the hardcore plunder. Uh, doing wacky shit. So a lot of that impact, you know, those are all like, you can tell that's all their ideas coming on screen. Uh, So my long winded answer is where are the women? And I really, I really lean towards that. They just don't know. And I went on a big, big tangent on, on my podcast about it, where the women need direction. They, 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 they've never had the experience of being creatively anything. They, they, they've never had that avenue. Do you see indie bookings of long-term women's storylines? No. <laughs> no. And you can, the, the more you say it, the more it starts to click. Like, yeah, they, the, you don't see the women with ideas. And I'm not saying they, they don't have any, but yeah. 
they're they're not getting they're not getting across anywhere. And that's yeah. why I think like Britt Baker is kind of the only one. And her group is with Jamie Hayter and Rebel and and just the the basic uh, old school booking because that's that's kind of all she knows from the basic level, which would make sense with her experience level. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's it's unfortunate, but we'll see if, if they can come up with anything really because they're. I feel like maybe they bring stuff up, but it doesn't get past a certain point. Maybe. Uh, I think they want like. Serena Deeb clearly has an idea. She wants mm-hmm. to be the professor and she wants to like show who she is. And that's, mm-hmm. that's what led to, I make the joke that she took the dark format and just goes, Oh, I'm just going to give it a name and then I'll get on <laughs> TV every week. And that's what's happened. And that led, that's led to the long-term sheet of feud that, that looks like a deep idea from a mile away, the get go. Yeah. So maybe, maybe the answer is just get someone like Serena Deeb to help. There needs to be someone Maybe Kenny Omega can can get involved, but he's got you know he's got his own thing going on. Uh, he's got his own storylines, mm-hmm. own wrestling. Uh, me, there needs to be someone creatively helping these women out with ideas, whether it's storylines or something as simple. I brought up today was kind of Thunder Rosa's vlog. I think if I really think if there was like a Nyla Rose or uh, Ruby Soho, even just pulling two names out of a hat. If they had a vlog and they were practicing and doing something creatively through wrestling angles, that would be a tremendous amount of help. Uh, getting getting a lot of the women and programs on screen and doing a lot of things through like a vlog on YouTube or something. Yeah, like help them branch their characters out. Yeah, they could practice promos. They could mm-hmm. practice. I mean, that would that would give a lot of avenues for something they don't have a lot of experience in. Yeah. Do you think uh, William Regal can help them out? I mean, what evidence do we have that he was a booker of anything? He was an on-screen character. <laughs> true, true. I mean, he could maybe teach them you know, what it's like to be a TV persona, but there's a lot of people backstage for that. Yeah. Yeah, there, it just feels like there's that that gap that hasn't been bridged yet. Between the women, that's a good way to describe it. Yeah, yeah. There, like, there, there, there. The gap that there's a there's a huge gap that isn't filled, and mm-hmm. I don't know the answer to what there is to fill that because yeah. it's certainly it's certainly not like I we we've talked a, a lot about just kind of in ring. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean that's that's just improving time. Uh, how fast it is depends on them and development, but for booking purposes and getting on TV, uh, there, there's definitely something missing there. And I just, I just don't know what that answer will be. It's not yeah. Maria Canellis. I can no. tell you that that's, that's 10 year, 12 year old ideas, uh, from an era long gone as much as she, uh, she clearly cares. Same with Vicky James. <laughs> I've said it before. Yeah. They, they, they have their era. This is, this is a new era they, they've, they've moved past, Diva, divas and that sort of booking and ideas. There's, there's this, we're, we're in a new age and there needs to be something to get this new age across. Yeah. Cause thinking about it, I can't think of a per like whether it's a person, uh, a show, it's something, something's just not there. 
And I don't think I don't think anybody else really knows the answer. It's not as simple as just oh, just yeah. put them on TV. Yeah, because they do that and nothing really happens. Yeah, is is Tony Khan supposed to come up with these ideas? I I, I don't think so. I don't yeah. I don't think it's I don't think that's his. I think he has a destination based on ideas that's given to him. Mm-hmm. Uh. He seems more like the type of you tell him something or give him an idea and then he'll let you do it or he'll figure out a way to, to make it happen. Yeah, and, and work around that idea, which is what some something a creative booker would do. It, there, there seems to be this just assumption that everything on the show is his idea or people come to him and he just goes, oh, well, I have an idea for that. And I don't think that's the case. <laughs> I think that's giving too much credit. I think it's yeah. a consolidated effort with one man being the final say, which is good. That's good to have that structure. And then they work from there. I who who is who is the one to, like you said, fill fill the gap with the women. Uh, it's something something to kind of contemplate about for a long time going. Definitely a long time. We'll we'll see if anything pops up this year. But yeah, back, back to Punk MGF. <laughs> oh yeah, great. Yeah, so, good stuff. Uh, yeah, Punk, yeah. Punk won. I heard a lot of people like upset about MJF losing, and I don't understand. I mean, no. it, everything is set up for Wardlow now. Yeah, everything. That, that's that, what we've all wanted. That turn was beautiful. <laughs> the subtle little can't find the ring, and then when, <laughs> once he gets knocked out, oh, now I remember it's in my right pocket. The oops. Was the facial expression the <laughs> the the slow hand to it, putting it on the apron? It like that's why I think a lot of uh, old school fans are really going to gravitate towards this match a lot. Uh, very well done. Um, I loved MJF taking the GTS and then just Plopping. taking a bat. Yeah, he's <laughs> yeah it gets gets punched with the ring and then he he just goes down, falls in the tax, just and then he just goes ah. <laughs> it's good. Yeah, CM uh, Punk. Uh, he made the he made the title the title uh, challenge sign. I'm into that. Ooh, yeah, that can definitely work. Um, for a second though, I thought that Wardlow was going to put the ring on Punk. I l- I like him just kind of put it on the apron. Yeah, the little subtlety, yeah. just right there, just in I mean, case you want. Goes, it's like in case, in case you want this piece of shit, <laughs> right there. And that that could also be a good indication that uh, for the next Diamond Ring Battle Royal, someone else can win. Yeah, is it just, is it just like a pride thing for the ring? There's not really like a, a goal for it, right? It's just you have the ring. Um, I mean, they could do whatever they want with it. I mean, right now it's a glorified uh, prop that yeah. happens to be MJF's like super finisher. <laughs> <laughs> the loaded hand. Uh, that thing? Yeah. Uh, there was an article on Voices of Wrestling uh, right before the last Diamond uh, Ring Battle Royal. And just if anyone wins it, there's a number of different storylines you could just go down with just this prop of a ring. And uh, that's what I like about wrestling. When you make goofy shit mean something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they could do a lot I of mean, this. 
Yeah, uh, someone else uh, wins the ring and mm-hmm. MJF isn't able to win it for I guess it'd be the fourth year in a row or third year. Third year. And that that immediately just sets up a feud in itself, and you can the winner gets the ring at the end, and maybe MJF can get it back or or something. Yeah, or you can have uh, them like have like someone like normal's not the right like a like a face like a good guy win the ring and just have them like the ring slowly corrupt them in a way. Like they get more and more ah, obsessed yeah, the, with it. Yeah, like the, like the Progress Wrestling World Title uh, <laughs> for for all those years. Yeah, every every single person who won the title slowly turned heel, <laughs> or they were already heel. Just have them obsess <laughs> over it. Yeah, it, it was. Yeah, one ring to rule them all is exactly what that was. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, since we already talked about the uh, World Women's World Title match, we'll skip over that and then. Yeah. It uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Easy way. And then Moxie Danielson. Yeah, I'm gonna have to rewatch this match. Um, I was pretty, I was pretty just really taken out after the women's match um, yeah. with the with the with the finish and essentially telling us that two weeks in two weeks that's the match you should have cared about, not this one. Uh, so for a long time, Moxley Danielson, I'm just kind of watching it. We're all just deflated. myself and yeah, we were very deflated and. Uh, Everything surrounding that previous match really hurt this one, so I'm gonna have to rewatch it. But the um, and even the ending, I was like, I totally didn't like understand what I was seeing <laughs> with Moxley kind of flipping Danielson over, and then it was a three count. I'm like, wait, huh? Oh yeah, that that, that finishes out of nowhere. It was kind of like, huh? That's it. I mean, I'm I'm cool with a, I'm cool yeah. with a fancy roll up finish. I mean, that happens all the time. You gotta, it, you gotta throw the Joshi jackknife in there. Yeah, exactly. Hey, give me a nice little Joshi Kazadora in there, or, or, uh, or an Azumi Sushi. Like, I'll, I'll buy a roll up win. Like, no, I got no problem with that. Mm-hmm. It was just, it looked like they were also in the ropes weirdly, and yeah, it also leaves it open ended too, so that way it's not, not quite a definite win, so they can do it again. Yeah, yeah. William Regal coming out was pretty cool. Yeah, uh, headbutting and slapping the shit out of him. <laughs> it's kind of funny. <laughs> Like like he's their dad. Yeah. <laughs> Behave. Yeah. What do you think uh, Regal's role gonna actually be? Um I think if they do run the the tag with them, he's their like their manager, uh mentor kind of thing. While they try to recruit the other court. guys. Yeah. Or like he kinda like they're still may, maybe at odds with each other, but he kinda he's trying to keep both of them in check. Yeah, I'm a little worried that they're going to do some sort of Regal is back into NXT head of committee role, which is very NWA WCW yeah. with the authority figures. Don't make them very much. Just, yeah, I'm very much over that. Yeah. Uh, I, I guess Rio Saito and Dragon Gate is doing fine enough. Uh, we haven't seen it in AEW, so I guess I'm not totally opposed to the idea. I'd have to I'd have to see how it plays out for, to make a true decision but I'm, I'm not leaning towards loving the idea <laughs> yeah it, it's not needed I I don't think it is because they've yeah. pretty much established Tony Khan's the dude Yeah. so why would they need Regal for that 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 comes in, into some J.J. Dillon and uh, <laughs> uh, WCW booking committee type talk all over and over again like yeah Oh, man. And uh, Blood and Guts is going to have the same ring to it as War Games. <laughs> Blood and Guts? Nah, he can pull it off. <laughs> just visceral. Just make noises. 
orgasms, blood and guts. Yeah, it definitely would work. Yeah, would there work. you go. Perfect. <laughs> uh, next up was the trios match, the tornado tag. A uh, Alan staying in Sammy versus the AHFO. Andrade. Yeah, tried I, to kill each other. <laughs> they wanted to die. Uh, definitely. <laughs> Sting just every I swear every time he ha- he's on screen he has to dive off something. He's got to do a fu- he's got to do a funky dive with a sick smile on his face. <laughs> he's like, yeah, I'm still doing this shit. Yeah, 13 minutes of just <laughs> we're gonna jump off shit and it's fun. It's like it's like an old uh uh team th- uh, team 3D match. Go yeah. in the crowd, do a couple things, and then we'll go home. Yeah, it was very short, <laughs> short, and sweet. I mean, I, I saw a lot of people like not excited for this. I'm like, I, I, we're good. We know what we're getting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They're just gonna do mad, mad things all over the arena. Yeah, that Spanish fly <laughs> looked like it sucked. By the way, it looked like it. Oh, the slippery ramp and the legs just breaking underneath. Yeah, it just and, went right on the ground. I'm like, oh, oof. I felt that one. Yeah, not ideal. Definitely. <laughs> All right, next. Maybe uh, some rubber feet on those tables next time. Yeah, <laughs> tennis balls. No, that's worse. <laughs> <laughs> it would literally just roll down the ramp. Yeah, where's it go? Shh. All right. Uh, finally, the uh, world title match, AEW world title. Adam Page defends against Adam Cole. Yeah, I loved it. Absolutely loved it. It mm-hmm. didn't feel like twenty six minutes at all. Not um, at all. This is the greatest example of if you have a main event, people want to see. And there's exciting wrestling in it and uh, uh, a world champion that you enjoy, then it doesn't matter if the show's five hours, the crowd's going to be into it. And this really just got rid of all that idea that uh, the shows are too long. I mean, there's only four of these a year. And if there's four Wrestle Kingdoms, I'm not saying no. Yeah. (laughs) Who would say no to like too much good wrestling? (laughs) People that don't like wrestling. Yeah. Oh, well, I can't do it in one city. Okay, do it in two. Yeah, that's why it's <laughs> split not, up. <laughs> you're not at the live arena. <laughs> yeah, you can, you can pit, pause, get up, and go do things. <laughs> it's like, okay, 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 go to sleep, watch in the morning, no big deal. Yeah, Just, yeah. easy. Uh, yeah, Adam Page is a great world champion. Definitely. I adored this. Uh, this was a great example of the minions coming out, but not getting directly involved. I have to show the bucks to come out for Page. Ah, they actually addressed that on uh, BTE. Ah. Yeah. It's definitely part of the story where the Bucks did not come out. They're holding off on that just a little bit longer. Yeah, they also did a weird little tease about Adam Page kind of having uh, tassels on his jacket and it was matching the way the Bucks dress. Oh, I did not. See, I saw that, but it didn't click like that. I saw like the, the rainbow colors. That's what I saw. Like, I saw the colorful uh, tassels. I didn't yeah. connect the, with how they wear on their uh, their boots. Yeah, AEW, they, <laughs> they, they like little details like that. And if you catch them, you'll, you'll catch over time. Plus, Adam yeah. Page pushing Reynolds into the middle of Fish, and that's what kind of got Dark Order and yeah, because he pushed them, and then he, as soon as they hit each other, he just turned around and started swinging. Well, yeah, man, that's that's <laughs> how I act in uh, all my basketball games growing up. Someone pushed me, and I just immediately started punching the guy I got pushed into. Yeah. It's <laughs> elbow. The weird reaction us <laughs> humans have. The fight or flight. 
I was actually in, uh, did, like you said, it didn't feel like 26 minutes. Uh, Adam Cole's Halo attire. Yeah. <laughs> kind of so, wacky. Yeah. Kind of out there. Look at this nerd. <laughs> that was cool. In a, in a weird way, though, I think I think doing more things like that will mm-hmm. uh, crack into culturally uh, more mm-hmm. of a certain audience. Uh, whether it's Thunder Rosa coming out dressed like Wolverine, Jade Cargill coming out like Jade from Mortal Kombat. That was sweet. Like fans pick up on this stuff and and they definitely have no problem doing this either. Like when they did the Ghostbusters stuff, the Space Jam. Well, yeah, and that's that's just fun Halloween stuff. I mean, nothing wrong with it as long as the matches are still good. Uh, But yeah, like Cole had, I mean, it was entrance attire. Yeah. (laughs) Like he he, he wasn't wrestling in it like Glacier would. He should have wrestled (laughs) in the shoulder pads. (laughs) Do a a roll. How? No, it was a good match. Uh, Paige retains with the buckshot. When he kicked out of the first one, though, I was a little bit surprised. I mean, they definitely had me buying into Cole could win this. Yeah. Uh, so I think they uh, they did a good job accomplishing suspending my disbelief. Yeah. Because I went into it not thinking for a minute that Adam Page was losing. And with... Uh, uh, there is also a difference <laughs> in how the distraction and interference was executed in this match compared to, say, the Britt Baker Thunder Rosa match. We haven't been numb to the Red Dragon interference yet. This was kind of the first time in an, uh, I guess, in most Adam Cole matches, they've done it. And perhaps because he's not the current champion, it hits differently. Um, but the timing on it was hit the finisher and that led to the near fall while the Britt Baker match, it as soon, as soon as the interference happened, you know, okay, Rose is getting the visual pin and then there was more interference yeah. and, then, and then there was another section of interference and then Baker Thunder tapped. Rosa took him. Right. And uh, again, another another fall. And then Thunder Rosa took him out. And then as soon as she got in the ring, curb stomp done. Yeah. You're like, Ugh. yeah, that okay. like, when I saw that, I was like, I was kind of a little bit surprised when she didn't kick out. I thought maybe like this is going to be the moment where like finally someone kicks out of that. Yeah, I mean, may- maybe if she would have kicked out and they go on another few minutes. Yeah. Maybe the crowd would have been into it because then. You've now uh, defied <laughs> the impossible. Kind of like what we saw here in the Page Cole. It was it was definitely structured. They were it's weird. Yeah. They were they were both structured similarly, but executed way differently in in terms of how they were able to win the crowd over. Yeah, definitely. It was the way they had. Uh, like it seemed like Cole had to overcome Page instead of like the other way around. Page is the very dominant champion and Cole needed all the help he could get to try to get the advantage on him. And uh, Cole has that killer finisher, the boob mm-hmm. that when he hit that after that interference and uh, I think he hit him in the nuts too. Yeah. Yeah. He kicked yeah, him in the nuts him. and then he, yeah, no one's nads are safe. No one. And it's like, Oh, okay. 
Page is going to lose. Wow, that's surprising. And yeah. he kicked out, and that led to a good finishing stretch from there. Uh, dead eye through the table. That was rad. Uh, a lot of tombstones and pile drivers and uh, uh, various table spots of the show. Surprising <laughs> to hear a gong or two. Yeah, it's definitely it's definitely a theme. <laughs> also, okay uh, the little, nice little subtlety when he hit the first boom, how he didn't pull the knee pad down. He just trying to keep momentum. Yeah, the the uh, the Ibushi, yeah. <laughs> the Ibushi <laughs> scenario where it's like, ah, his knee pad was on. He's, the guy's not gonna, guy's not gonna go down with the <laughs> knee pad on. <laughs> you, gotta, you gotta take that shit off, son. Come on, Naito <laughs> needs two Destinos. What are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> you can't just finish him off like that. He's not gonna stay down. <laughs> yeah, that was Revolution, and we'll be right back with Ice Ribbon. All right, let's get ready to be happy with pro wrestling. Uh, we're going to talk about oh, ice ribbon. What it's called? <laughs> <laughs> quotes, air quotes. So, for those uninitiated, JD, why don't you tell them about what ice ribbon is? Uh, well, ice ribbon is a Joshi promotion that came up in the late 2000s, started by Emmy Sakura. And uh, she had an exodus. A number of her students left it behind to Tsukasa Fujimoto and a number of uh, young children, essentially, and Hikaru Shida. And it's kind of been that way ever since. And unfortunately, at the end of 2021, they've had another exodus. And uh, now we have a uh, kind of a devastating retirement that has happened with uh, one Sakushi, who is their current champion. Quite the shock, too. Like, it really came Uh, out of nowhere. Especially, yeah, like you said, with the previous exodus being not too far behind them. Yeah, just a couple months ago. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but I'm happy that she's going out on her own terms. She still has her, you know, her body and her mind are still all together. She- yeah, I mean, in in terms of of health and for the uh, athlete, sure. Yeah, before the promotion, uh, this is a for the promotion. This is very devastating. Yeah, could, um, could it's be kind crippling. of crippling. So. I was thinking about this and I'm going to, I'm going to be writing up a follow-up article uh, uh, on, on the Patreon Redley Retrocast. I, I wrote uh, kind of a ice ribbon falling on hard times article, uh, looking at attendance figures, booking patterns of the promotion and how kind of they operate, what, what they can, what, what their outlook was for 2022. And now with the Sakushi retirement, it's, I, I, I don't want to say the final nail in the coffin for this promotion. However, it is, it is yet another blow that they could not afford. And a lot of that has to do with just how much has happened over the last couple of years with Ice Ribbon and the Joshi scene. The promotion has had a number of people retire already and uh, a top prospect leave in Julia. Then the pandemic hit shortly after that, which crippled the company financially and able to uh, operate at their usual standards and then mix that in with their uh, booking patterns with how they operate, which... You know, every company operates differently. I got no issue with companies having their niche and and what they're doing. But my issue with a lot of promotions is the inability uh, to adapt and change. 
because uh, that's when you see companies fail. Uh, could you also see a company thrive, like in Stardom's case? Absolutely. Uh, but more often than not, uh, unfortunately, the way uh, the business world works, uh, it's 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 the negative. I mean, we, how many how many stores have we seen rise up in the pandemic, and how many stores have we seen close their doors? Precisely. Uh, it's yeah. It's hard to so. It's hard not to be doom and gloom in this situation. I'm yeah. I've I've tried to look at the positives. I tried to I've 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 weighed the negatives, and I mean, I just I stopped at the pandemic, and then when you get work into uh, what the promotion uh, tried to do throughout that year, another Shikasa Fujimoto title run that uh, did not do well, <laughs> despite her having a wrestler of the year candidacy, uh, it was not the year for that. Um, lead that into their entire mid card and a couple of main eventers now have left. Uh, you were left behind with essentially a lot of children, uh, older, lower mid card wrestlers. Uh, Hamako Hoshi comes to mind. Um, <clears throat> Banny, Yappy, a lot, a lot of these wrestlers, you know, we, we all like them. Uh, they're, they're all fun, but they're, you know, undercarders essentially. And for, for main event talent, you had Sukasa and Sakushi. Sakushi had her uh, final coronation at the end of last year that did very poorly uh, gate wise, even though they technically didn't lose money on it. They didn't, they didn't gain a whole lot of money uh, <laughs> getting that low of attendance at Oda Ward. And I wrote in my, uh, a small, a small excerpt in my, Ice Ribbon Fallen on Times article you can find on the Patreon. Read, read about it. Uh, Patreon.com slash Ridley Fretchercast. I mentioned that Sakushi has never been proven as a single star main eventer. And this was going to be a big test for her and the promotion for 2022. She, I was interpreting her run as essentially the blueprint, <laughs> blueprint and brick for the rest of the roster to develop and slowly get put over so they can be elevated from essentially rookies into the upper mid card at the very least. And then you could have a couple freelancers like a Makoto, a Saki or someone come in. And a lot of that's coming to fruition, but now with the Sakushi retirement, uh, I really got to follow up on that article because it, it, it's a, it's a big game changer for the promotion because a lot of, Joshi friends out there and those familiar with Ice Ribbon go, okay, who's left? Tsukasa? He just got over another essentially year-long reign from her. I that's not gonna work out again. No. And they, they don't just they don't have go anybody back else, really. Yeah, Super. and I'm I'm like I'm I'm really wrapping my head around, you know, what the promotion can do and what's feasible and then I have to also think about reality and what I think the promotion is going to do and what I think the promotion is going to do is just kind of put it back on Tsukasa or what they have a history of doing is putting it on Hamako Hoshi for a little, little transitional run which has never done well historically because uh, there, there's a lot of panic booking involved um, do people retire with the titles in Ice Ribbon all the time? They do and you get a nice little retirement bump that's very <laughs> that's that's a tried and true form in uh, women's wrestling and men's wrestling with just retirements and final shows and those kind of mm-hmm. sticks to it. First shows do well. It's what comes after that that's the big worry. 
because are we confident that Sakushi is going to be in positions to put people over uh, that desperately need it right now? I don't think they're going to do that. I think they should. Uh, is this the right time to then bring in freelancers and give them runs? Well, Ice Ribbon doesn't have a history of that either. This is what I'm really trying to, you know, put words yeah. to paper <laughs> and contemplate like uh, the difference between what they should do and what I think they, they're going to do. And it's, it's, it's very rough. And I know what the company has said publicly about they're financially stable. There's nothing wrong. They're paying the wrestlers. It's just wrestlers want to do something uh, self-fulfilling. And I buy that as I buy that as press speak, which is fine. That's what companies should do. Uh, but I'm reading between the lines and whether it's struggling financially, which I lean towards a lot. I mean, when I see whenever I see a wrestling company have uh, lots of people leave <clears throat> and not come back or not get booked as much, it always comes down to two things, money and disagreements with management. <laughs> and I'm really getting both feelings on this side with Ice Ribbon, which is not a good sign for its future. Do I think the promotion is going to close down tomorrow? I don't. Do I think they might? I mean, do I think they might hang on to its last thread? I do. Do I think if they do hold on, it's going to take two to three years to recover, if not longer at this point? I also do. It's very hard to gauge where what the future lies with Ice Ribbon, but none of it's good right now. Yeah. Unfortunately. Because the last time I saw them do freelance work was with Glade, right? I mean, Ice Ribbon Talent uh, bounces around uh, various promotions, whether it's uh, Seedring, Gleet. Uh, I think they've popped up in Pure J on occasion. Uh, and a little context is, you go back five, six years, Ice Ribbon was arguably the number two, three promotion, and it was for many years. And now to see a promotion fall like this to the same level, essentially, as a Pro Wrestling Wave, Sendai, uh, Seedling, these are all rosters with like four people on them. <laughs> yeah, and it's quite depressing, honestly. And that's, I mean, Ice Ribbon is set up better than most, but they're all children. Yeah. They're all rookies. They're all, uh, they, they don't have a core that I see as from a fan's perspective that goes, man, gotta buy this ticket to this next Ice Ribbon show because what? <laughs> We're gonna see a We've, tag match with Saran and Yappy again. It's like, that, that, that doesn't, that doesn't excite me. And unfortunately, yeah. that's the reality. And I, ha I have to be honest, you know, with you and the audience and even myself, it's like, I don't want to watch that. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's the truth. Like, it, it's not interesting. As much as you would love to support the promotion, it's not something you're going to invest your time and money into. Right. Right. And the other thing is like, Ice Ribbon is so internally culturalized in one direction and they don't vibe away from what they think they should be. As in, they don't hire anybody slash sign free agents. 
they don't book, which is a good thing. They generally don't book freelancers to win their main titles. Tag titles, the occasional exception to the rule. The Hiroyo last year is a good example of that. It's kind of a 50-50 give, give and take there. But maybe it's time to finally bury the hatchet on that cultural idea behind them. It, it seems like uh, now's uh, as good a time as any to do that. Yeah, this basically let, let it go and move on to the future. Yeah, I mean, they can still be happy with pro wrestling and, and keep their ideology. Yeah. There's there's nothing wrong with that, but uh, keeping keeping their version of the three no's, I suppose, <laughs> to make an AJW reference, I, I just don't see it as something financially uh, stable. The, the, uh, it's not a financially stable thing to do if you want your promotion to succeed and survive uh, for the future. Yeah, they're they're in dire straits right now. Do you think if I was fantasy booking, if I was uh, what well, you were you were asking a question? Do you think there's a chance that maybe they just they throw the belt on Sheeta? No, no, I don't. No, uh, I actually thought about that as an interesting idea. Like, would it be the worst idea is if Ice Ribbon puts the belt on Sheeta? And she's just kind of the part-time champion since travel restrictions are, uh, they've re-loosened back up. Yeah. They're loosening. They're loosening. You only need a, a few, a, a day or two in quarantine with all three shots, which she clearly has, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, any publicity is good publicity, uh, for in the positive sense for ice ribbon. Uh, do I see like a lot of Americans seeing an, uh, the infinity belt on Sheeta and be like, man, I can't wait to go check out ice. I don't know. <laughs> like, what is that? Yeah. <laughs> does, does like one fan <laughs> I know what that see, is. do that? It's like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Do Joshi fans go, Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Okay. That's fine. You might get a handful of people. Uh, that, that's, that's all good. I'm just talking from just a, a buzz sense in general. Mm-hmm. They need something. Uh, I was leaning towards Makoto uh, winning the title. Oh, I think that's be, a good idea. Yeah. She has the history with the promotion. I do. I think Sheeta would be good for like title defenses and run, a run in the company of of note. I do. Her with the title. I mean, there are worse ideas at this point in time. Yeah. I mean, she also has a big history with the company, and she's never. She's only had the one run ever with the title. And that's the other thing with ice ribbon. That's really strange. Uh, when I was doing the, uh, the hard times article was not a lot of repeat champions at the top. There's only one. <laughs> it's Sukasa, right? Yeah. Which I think is a very, <sighs> it's throughout uh, wrestling history. Your, your strongest business is with, let's call it the core four. How's that for a, was that for a tag? <laughs> <laughs> Call it the core four. And the, the title essentially interchanges between your core four. Okay. Uh, New Japan. You watch New Japan. Yes. Naito, Tanahashi, Okada, and then Gaijin. <laughs> <laughs> essentially. Yeah. Makes sense, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. It's always, uh, it's always ice- rotating between those. 
yeah and and you might get the occasional like yeah. number five uh but then you've kind of established a new core four which you should it, it should be kind of a rotating cast uh with ice ribbon it's sukasa and then whoever it is that one single year and then they never revisit like big title rematches they never revisit a title reign and when you look at kind of the business aspect of it which i i was uh was very fascinated with why wasn't Risa Sarah like a two-time champion? Well, okay, she was, but there was like this tiny span in between <laughs> where uh, Tsukasa had the title, because of course she did. And there were shenanigans with booking, and then why wasn't Risa Sarah champion after 2017? Whatever it was. Why wasn't Maya Yukihi uh, consistently challenging for main events? Why is it instead Mochi Miyagi during Golden Week? It, it's a very strange moves like that and I, I get you want to keep a chunkier roster uh, satisfied but business wise it kind of doesn't make sense it just leaves uh, you on booking. the outside scratching your head like really yeah like why didn't we get Sukasa versus Risa Sarah during that big run last year why didn't we get uh, uh, well, why isn't Sukushi now that we're on retirement road why aren't they having the biggest matches possible Heading into this, yeah, she could. We're, be. we're getting the Saki match, but as an Ice Ribbon fan, I'd be like, I kind of want to see now another Sukasa match, like right now. I want to see a Maya match right now. Uh, then you can like I, give me like five quick defenses. It's like, dude, you're retiring in two months. Yeah, let's be, make the most out of it. Make that one month. Just go through it all. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's like okay. If you're retiring, you're going to work. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> gonna earn this. Yeah, this. yeah, so I gotta find. I gotta. I gotta. I gotta find kind of more consolidated thoughts. It just happened. I want to write up something. Uh, uh, follow up on it of what the future now holds for Ice Ribbon with it yet another major factor changing the outlook of the promotion. Yeah, because it just seems like as soon as like they're they're kind of getting back. Because weren't they recently on a hiatus too? A little bit of a because of COVID. Um, no, they never stopped. Oh, yeah they they did a bunch of uh, empty arena dojo shows, and then it was late last year before the Hood Awards show. They did a Mexico trip for God knows what reason. Yeah, and they took, uh, they brought on uh, Momo Kogo as well. Yeah, instead of now Ishikawa due to injury, and then Momo Kogo <laughs> jumped the stardom. So I mean, even the even the regulars that they bring in, which is like a priority booking uh, deal that people can get with Ice Ribbon, they're jumping ship. <laughs> yeah, because like if you have a happy environment and people are satisfied with what they're doing there, you don't see people leave in droves like this. Yeah, because before they uh, stopped their activities, they had a lot of the uh, actress girls t- a tangent over there, right? Yeah, they had a good relationship with actress girls, and now that that's closed off from the rest of the Joshi <laughs> worlds, uh, yeah, they they lost that that big relationship. I mean, boy, if this was any year to start doing like a big Sukasa Fujimoto Arisa Nakajima thing, uh, it sure seems like it'd be the year to do it. Yeah, do you think that they'll give that that'll be the last match her and Tsukasa? 
I'm sure it'll be something like that. I mean, the the ice ribbon way is like a thirty person gauntlet where they just fight the whole roster. Ah, uh, yeah, the the send off like they do with when someone leaves. <laughs> Excuse me. Yeah, yeah, they generally have a big send off uh, that way, and maybe a big uh, title match like the day before or something or a week before. Ah, uh, yeah, because they normally do the the last match and then the gauntlet. Yeah, that's generally generally the way to go. <clears throat> yeah, this promotion's in in uh, a lot of trouble. It's very hard to watch as a fan. I mean, yeah. I, I'm on record with Ice Ribbon being the promotion of how I got into Joshi Wrestling, kind of like a full time basis. Uh, so it's very sad to see uh, what's what's happening. It's definitely hard to watch it go down like this. Yeah, and it doesn't seem like outside of a major money backer coming in and kind of setting stability or something happens visually for us as fans to kind of say, okay, all we have to do is hang tight and things will get better. Not seeing that. No. Uh, it is could, could they? Yeah, I mean, could they hold on and we just won't see much for the next two to three years? That's very possible. That's still two to three years of us just kind of waiting, though. Yeah. And then by that point, are we? Do we even care? That's the other problem. Like, how much will we care? What, what is, what is the promotion going to do to build at least small interest for what we're seeing? And some names definitely come to mind: Ibuki Hoshi, Asahi, Kaho Matsushita, uh, Yuki Mashiro. Like, there's a core four right there. Yeah. Of course, they're all like super young and basically hit school still but at this point like does it matter i mean you got sukasa and sukushi there uh i mean i'd have them drop all the falls and start telling quick ass stories and get them huge wins like immediately and you know if this was like a new japan or i can't say AEW, but stardom even we've seen stardom when they want to push somebody they give them quick and big wins and they establish yeah. them like look these are your main eventers now this is your this is your new generation uh starting to that with utami sai kamatani uh micah to an extent in a very different way um with winning other titles uh i want to see that with ice ribbon from my perspective to me that would be putting confidence in me that they're going to be trying um which you don't get a lot with a lot of other Joshi promotions out there. Yeah. You don't get that sense of trying and effort. Oh yeah. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I, it's... but I do. I, I, I think the reality is they're just going to, Sukushi has been there for 12 years. She's going to go out on her terms with the title and they'll probably like do some goofy tournament. and God help us. If Sukasa wins again, uh, that doesn't bring the stability that they think it does because then they're still in that same, aspect of who's going to be challenger her, challenging her for it. <laughs> yeah. And they were, well, they just got through uh Ibuki. So I mean, it wouldn't be the worst idea, but she's yeah. kind of going back to school soon. <laughs> I think she's going to university and things. It's like, well, okay, you can, she can, she doesn't have to be on the dojo shows, but yeah. she can be on the big shows on weekends. Cause isn't uh Tsukushi in charge of the wrestling circle? 
Not anymore. Not anymore. No. I think that's uh, I think that's been delegated to a number of different people now. Uh-huh. Okay. They just brought out outside people, or not outside, but other people. It's now yeah. a conglomerate. <laughs> yeah, they've. Um, I think they're bringing back Yuki, a former Ice Ribbon wrestler. Uh, that'd be per- that'd be somebody to kind of. I well, I haven't heard much of her like coming back. Still, <laughs> forget where I read that, but I thought she was kind. Of, she'd be she'd be in like currently. Um. Yeah, they need to they need to do something to install some sort of fresh thing, uh, whether it's an angle or pushing like they they got to push this talent in, yeah. in my mind. They, they have to. And it's, it, it's to me, it doesn't never. matter. It, it, like it, it's it's like it's too bad. They're rookies. It's sink or swim. Mm-hmm. Uh, they don't have to have like top level success, but you got you got to You got to give it to them. I mean, yeah. Really, anybody now is Shikawa. I, I like she has a heavy injury history, so it's hard to trust her from that perspective. But you got to try. I think you really got to try. It really is now or never. <laughs> Sink or swim. You just got to go with it, really, because if they don't, they're just going to be stagnant. It's going to be very stagnant and complacent. Yeah. And. There's going to be less of us uh, talking about them. Because even like someone like Yuki Mashiro, like she's not the greatest technician, but she has a ton of charisma. A lot of people will get behind that. Yeah, no sense. Uh, you can't get her with a, with a good tag team partner and they have some killer tag run. Um, nothing wrong with that. Yeah. I mean, I was gonna say, you can do Makoto. That would you be could. A, that'd be a good person for it. Well, I mean, I mean, history says Sukasa is best in in tag roles. Why not Sukasa and Yuki Mashiro uh, team up? Ooh, that'd be a good good way to build her up. Yeah, uh, you'd be in there with a super veteran, and she would get better in ring because she is getting better in ring. Yeah, she's not at that like top singles level, but the good thing about tag matches is they hide weaknesses. <laughs> you could highlight definitely Sukasa could be the workhorse. She is capable of that. <laughs> So we'll have to see what happens with Ice Ribbon because I don't want I don't want to see it go out in a in the dumpster fire. I want it to at least fizzle out if it's gonna go down. Yeah, last thing I want is to see him see him close because the scene definitely needs yeah a company capable of a larger roster than four. <laughs> yeah, that was Ice Ribbon, and well, let's move on to something a little less depressing: Nomads. The new freelance group. Yeah, another one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we have two. I know they saw. Uh, I know they saw a promise there. Like, yeah, let's do that. Well, it's definitely different. Yeah. Um, so you got colors, the offshoot of survival from Actress Girls. <laughs> so I don't blame them there. Prominence is the group of Exodus Ice Ribbon wrestlers that want to do deathmatch, but really, I guess they want to do uh, they want to make money and start them, which can't blame them there. No, <laughs> I, I know Rossi backed up the truck. Oh, if he had to bring back <laughs> bring back a, a big truck, but he definitely like opened a trunk <laughs> yeah. to get him there. I don't think it was hard to do. Yeah, and the announcement of this Nomads group really took me by. 
not so much surprise because it's definitely the culmination of the scene suffering right now. Because if companies were doing well, then there wouldn't be any reason for something like this. And what's interesting is there seems to be a lot of fans, Japanese fans, clamoring for this. They're 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 basically so. The idea is it's a number of freelancers, a show for freelancers by freelancers. And there's a uh, when they were doing their press conference, there was a number of phrases that the wrestlers were using and sentences that really stuck out to me. Whether it was Maya saying, uh, freelancers don't get a lot of stories or are fulfilled uh, in ring when they're just freelancers in other companies. So this group opportunity, Nomads, is a way to uh, satisfy them, which I understand from the company perspective that you don't want to bring in freelancers and they beat all your wrestlers. But I've also of the mind on the flip side that you can use them in that way as long as they leave the territory for a bit after you beat them. A uh, lot of po- politics involved, uh, very NWA territory type booking way. And the companies don't have the means or ambition to really sign these wrestlers to full-time deals uh, and, and have the financial stability. So in a way, Nomads is exciting, but it's also depressing because it wouldn't exist without the scene being the way it is. Yeah, it's it's a expression of how the scene is right now. But too, like they've gained a lot of buzz because individually, they all all these maybe except you are all very popular. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Why, why go? Why you, you? Uh, she, she might have, she might have her contingent. Uh, yeah. I don't, I don't doubt that. But she's, she's going to bring in the the deadlock people. <laughs> oh God, yeah, they're. they're these are the top freelancers left over from this generation. Uh, Takase, uh, Maya, Sariano, Rini Yamashita, the list goes on. Yeah. Asuka, Saki. Yeah, like exactly. Yeah. And could there be more that come in? Absolutely. Especially with the scene the way it is. Uh, the, Natsu Sumire is being kind of portrayed as the. I guess mastermind behind it. Yeah, she's the, like she's like their manager. Yeah, manager, producer, mm-hmm. running the show, which is good in the sense that it's not someone from the 90s. She clearly has a mind for wanting to do something different. She's not about the status quo. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's a good sign. And one thing she said... Uh, in her, one of the things that stuck out to me that she said was wrestling doesn't have to be in this cultural past tense, something along those lines. And I interpreted that as the tradition of like for the tradition of, of just Joshi booking where most of these companies have a rookie and it takes them like three years and then they can get out of their swimsuit gear and uh, or only these people can be in the main events. There's no cycling. Uh, once you hit this certain veteran status, you're not allowed to drop falls anymore. It, there, there's there's all things in Puro and Joshi that, that just has this status quo, and she's not about that. So if I'm looking at it from that perspective and interpretation is correct, then 
she is kind of the perfect person to be headlining this because she won't her idea is not to do all that. And of course, she flat out said, like, if the show doesn't sell out, don't think there'll be another one because uh, it's clearly something they're putting on themselves. Uh, they don't have a financial backer. I think if this thing is to be long term successful of any manner, they need big sponsors and a big money backer. Uh, maybe if the show does well, someone will hop on that train. I'm hoping, fingers crossed. Yeah. Mysterious and, figure. Yeah, mysterious figure uh, from the shadows with a briefcase and just throws it across the ground. <laughs> <laughs> but the good sign is that there seems to be a lot of Japanese fans that also want this to succeed in a meaningful manner. Right, it looks like it's going to sell out at Shinjuku Face. So they're not, which I think is also another good sign just on a low key level. Because they're not running Shinkiba First Ring, which is a smaller venue. This is one of those venues. I'm not saying it's the face is, is great or anything, but it, it certainly looks like they're going to get a good show out for what they're aiming to do, and that'll lead to future shows, which I hope then will have a better grasp on what is the potential of them. Because I do see a lot of potential with what Nomads could be and God knows the scene needs yeah. a third promotion out there. This could be a healthy injection and possibly the start of something too. I hope so. I'm I'm yeah. maybe working myself into a shoot with my optimism. I'm usually Mr. Negative. <laughs> I mean, you just heard me bury Ice Ribbon for a while <laughs> uh, with a uh, hard dose of reality. But, you know, yeah. I, I am, I'm definitely accepting, but annoyed that a lot of these promotions just are what they are. And they're just going to continue doing their thing that they've been doing for a decade. Wave is going to be its little goofy comedy promotion with, with four match cards. Sendai is just going to be card making uh, with no ambition to actually push anybody. Marvelous is like four people. What are they going to do? Seedling is three people. What are they going to do? Uh, they're just monthly produce shows. Uh, Oz Academy hasn't done any effort to do anything with talent under the age of 40 in a decade. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I, I know what I'm getting when I watch this promotion it doesn't mean I won't critique them and I mean that's the whole point of the Joshi 2010s journey uh, that I do on the Patreon like it's just more perspective and context and why don't these promotions want to do something more could it be they just don't think they can maybe this is good enough was a fan that's not good enough. And that's why I'm very optimistic with Nomads, which seemingly this is a group of people that want to do something more and want to be fulfilled in more ways than just running a show once a month out of Shinkiba. Yeah. They, this could blow up or it could, you know, just slowly just die. It would, and that's the thing. Like, this is like a time bomb. It's either going to go really well or it's it's over. It's worth a try. Yeah. It's worth a try. And I'm glad that they did it because it's exciting to see, especially with that group of people they have. It, and it kind of speaks to like, yeah, these people are popular outside of the, the big promotions. Like, yeah, my question is how popular though? Yeah. Because unfortunately the scene the way it is, 
I mean, Maya's a star with an ice ribbon. How big is she outside of it? I there's no evidence that she is a big star outside of ice ribbon. Uh, they need to be established in these other places, and these other places have never really done that. Sauriano's never had a big run in like Oz Academy or anything. Uh, Takase had a run in Actress Girls, but where 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 is her success anywhere else? She yeah. doesn't have that. The only thing she did Pretty- recently was the thing in uh, Diana. Or is it wave? Well, either way. Uh, well, I mean, she <laughs> yeah. challenges for titles in like Diane and Wave, but yeah. we we know what Diane Diana is like the lowest of them all. <laughs> yeah, that's where uh, Saray crawled out of. <laughs> Crawl crawled is a is a good way, but Saray's success was outside of Diana. Mm-hmm. It wasn't in Diana. It was in Sendai, and then having the connection with Mako and getting out of there. That was her success. Her produce uh, shows all that. Yeah, and the produce show, those, those were more successful. The so uh, maybe they can consolidate all their individual fandoms into this one show. Maybe that's what's happening. I don't know. I'm not. I'm not in Japan to kind of get a read on that. Yeah. I just can speculate and kind of interpret. The only thing you really saw was the video that someone recorded outside the box office for the tickets, where it had like a super long line. So that's a good sign. Yeah, Nomads is kind of updating ticket sales on Twitter, and it's it's a very fascinating story uh, to follow, and I'm really following it closely. It's it's got it's caught my eye, and I'll be I'll be keeping an eye on it. Definitely, I'm excited for that show. It's on uh, the 20th of May. Yeah, they're trying to uh, find a way to distribute it online so you can uh, watch it live or on delay. Um, Part of me hopes that it's like a YouTube membership and you can just get it that way. That'd be That'd so be much nice. easier. Because I've had issues with both Nico Pro and what's the other one? What's you talking about Kips or something? Yeah, Kips. Like I've had issues with both uh, of those. I've had good experiences with Kips, not so much with Nico. Nico's a dumpster fire, but Kips, like, it, not bad. It's just sometimes this, it'll just uh, freeze. Sometimes. Uh, I haven't had that issue. Like the quality, uh, the, the quality is good, but like sometimes they do this buffer. <coughs> mm, yeah, you pay your extra five bucks for better quality. <laughs> <laughs> I'm assuming it's just the venue's internet. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. <clears throat> Shinjuku uh, face is fine. Well, yeah. Well, yeah, it looks like they do have a YouTube channel, so hopefully they just rock with that would be the easiest way i mean they could easily yeah. just make a membership and then you just get it <laughs> yeah because a lot of promotions have been doing that too right recently ice ribbon started one haven't heard much uh from their uploads uh pure j has one yes, they're doing okay with theirs <clears throat> just make it easier for us to get yeah okay do you have anything else to add or is that it i don't that's it awesome we'll be right back Stardom time. We have what do they have written down here? <laughs> uh, let's check about. Let's talk about the current state of stardom. Yeah, it's awesome. On the rise, definitely. How about that? Short Always. and set, short and sweet. <laughs> Always. It just keeps getting better and better. They've definitely yeah, brought good in booking, good booking up and down the card. Uh, great talents, all kind of at their physical peaks, seemingly. Uh, talent's also getting better and improving. Kyrie's just come in. Kyrie all jacked caps. <laughs> oh yeah, she was she was looking real jacked. 
I'm very excited. As uh, stardom is is I mean we saw it in the Observer Awards. There was a lot of a lot of stardom representation all, all over that thing. It was just great to see because normally it wouldn't be like that at all. Yeah, this is definitely the standard for women's wrestling in the world right now is what stardom's pumping out, uh, both creatively and in ring wise. Uh, obviously, it's different than how like a Western promotion would book, and that's okay. Uh, but yeah. in terms of in just in terms of in ring, uh, this is the standard. I go by. Yeah, there's there's no there's no not even a question of if anybody else is doing it like them. Yeah. So, well, the first thing I wanted to ask you about was the potential impact that the new blood could have. That series of shows. Yeah, super interesting. So I'm looking at, uh, let's see, Stardom's debut in a rookie, Miyu Amasaki. Amasaki? Amas? I'm assuming Amasaki. Amasaki. She's part of the Akatsuki from uh, Naruto. So come out with the cloak and the mask. And- <laughs> yeah. yeah, they seem to be really high on her. Uh, they spent a lot, long mm-hmm. time, I guess, training her. Um, I'm excited for her. They put they they put her. They made sure to put her in the main event of the show against Utami, so that... Yeah. Which that's a good sign. Says a lot. Yeah. And then as for kind of everyone else from different promotions, I'm not totally convinced it's a complete and utter like scouting for talent <laughs> across the scene. Uh, but I'm not, I'm also not putting it against him. Like, do I think Inaba and Aoi and maybe, I don't know, a, a Sayaka could leave their promotion, just tap out or Gato move tomorrow and sign with Stardom. Sure, yeah. yeah. I mean, those are those are low-hanging fruit promotions. Uh, with the way Marvelous and Diana operate with, uh, you know, the old-school mentality and respect and loyalty, uh, not to make a John Cena reference on purpose there, <laughs> but that's that's really how those promotions operate. They they're They're really taught that that's the most important thing. And if you leave, you're disrespecting your elders. Uh, you're, it's, a, it's a huge cultural thing. But with Just Tap Out and like Got to Move, they're installed that, yeah, we are kind of the minor leagues and we want you to move on and have good careers. Yeah. Like so when Micah left, they had, had like the whole big old press conference for it and all that. Yeah, exactly. And, pl- and plus, Stardom and Marvelous have a, uh, close relationship with each other and they're not about poaching. Um, is there a chance like me, Hoshizuki that was fired? Maybe we'll maybe enough time has passed and she could pop back up. We did see um, what's her face. The other, the other marvelous uh, Maria young in that. Uh, no, the other one that got fired along with may she's now in wave under a different name. Oh, I know you're back, talking. You go back up, yeah, yeah. I don't her remember name her name. Escapes you right now. Yeah, I know who you're speaking of. Yeah, uh, the this the shows the shows super interesting. It's different. It's new, and it's getting a huge highlight on a lot of young talent across the scene. Definitely. Uh, one thing I and wanted maybe to- ice, maybe Ice Ribbon should have uh, shown up here. This is like. <laughs> Throw in Asahi and Kaho Masashida. <laughs> get them in there. I don't. I don't think they get along with Stardom these days. <laughs> even even more so. <laughs> uh, well, at least well, in that show too, we get a uh, Giant Saya back. She's showing back up. 
for the first time. And it feels like forever. Saya, Ida, and Hanan against the Chess Tap Out Girls. Interesting matchup. I think I would have maybe structured it a little differently with some of these tag teams. Um, just that's just my kind of just booking opinion there. But uh, am I? Am I excited for Saeed to mix it up with the Just Tap Out Girls? Absolutely. Uh, She's been out a year. I'm interested to see what uh, jacked Saya (laughs) can can do these days. Because her style definitely is interesting. It's not, nobody else does it like she does in stardom. No, and she's super tiny. She's like a (laughs) mini Scott Steiner (laughs) for stardom. Need to start doing push-ups after throwing people. She's got to do that. She's got to start sicking dogs on people in the back. Uh, lead pipes, taking out kneecaps. Yeah, the whole thing. Sia Steiner is a, uh, it's coming. She's going to be blonde <laughs> next week. Watch. Blonde in sunglasses, maybe a chainmail uh, <laughs> <laughs> do rag. <Yeah. laughs> the whole, the whole nine. Change your name. <laughs> big, big Papa Sia. <laughs> <laughs> don't even like don't even change it to mama just straight up big no papasaya <laughs> chain mail everything just <laughs> they ever come out cut not going here in promos yeah talking about math yeah but uh, i mean the talent i'm looking forward to the most to see what they can do is is Aoi. Yeah. Uh, i was enthralled with her from the minute i saw her with the breakdancing gimmick She's got tons of charisma. She showed up to the press conference with an old school Mighty Ducks jersey, hockey jersey of all things. Hell yeah. I'm like, this girl just gets it mm-hmm. immediately from, from this perspective. And uh, I saw a decent... I've seen a couple decent outings from her in ring. And with the way um, Taka Michinoku books in Just Tap Out, he, he believes in giving the talent kind of big highlighted wins. Uh, just like Micah debuting and beating Mima Shimoda, which is huge. Yeah. Uh, Aoi had something similar at uh, the Taka, uh, Taka Taichi Mania show uh, with beating Yu Yamagata in a tag match. You just don't, you just don't get that in yeah. other promotions. That just doesn't happen at, like ever, right. really. <clears throat> One thing I wanted to ask was uh, with them doing this, do you think that and with uh, Starlight Kid moving out of the high speed and assuming uh, this being Azumi's last run with it, do you think they can use the, the new people to like reinvent that division? Because it's going to be hard to find two like more proficient uh, technical wrestlers in that. Like, well, the high speed, yeah, the high speed has had a resurgence in identity uh, going back to its kind of early 2010s era. Uh, when Leon had it and Natsuki Tayo, like that's what a lot of these matches lately remind me of. Natsu Poi against Starlight Kid, 30 minute draw. Uh, Starlight Kid Azumi got a lot of buzz. Uh, that went almost 18 minutes. Uh, but we can't forget before that, like it was with a shtick with Hazuki with like less than five minute matches. And then like Goya Kong had it for a little while. Riho had it and was kind of hardly there. Uh, it, it's not the most important title in the promotion for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, it's important right now because they've established it that way with the people that can viably hold the title. I don't think Starlight Kids ever going to truly move away from the title as long as it's there. Same thing with Azumi. They're they kind of function as 
juniors in that sense. This is Stardom's junior title right now. That's how I how I view it as. Could they always like throw a Saki or uh, Koguma uh, can get a run? Momokogo has a little bit of speed to her. They can throw yeah. people in there. That's one of the uh, people that came to mind was Momokogo because of her lucha styling. Yeah, I, I don't think there's ever going to be a true graduation of it um, unless they get to the main event. And then, yeah, okay, they, they've probably outgrown that level. We don't see Mayu Itani challenging for the high-speed title these days. That's kind of beneath yeah. her in a, in a way. She has no need for it or use for it, actually. Right. Was, uh, would it be cool? Sure. Yeah. But then you can't like viably beat her. Yeah. You you don't you kind of don't want to do that. Do you have so to relinquish not, it or something? Yeah, the, the, the ends don't justify the means when you start doing things like that in wrestling. It's it's weird how it works because you'd think, ah, you can just be Mayu, she's bulletproof. It's like, well, you kind of don't want I don't know, Azumi to finally get a big victory over main eventer and it's just for the high speed title. You know what I mean? Yeah, it, it brings it down. Like it doesn't mean as much. Right. The the win then doesn't mean as much and you kind of you, yeah. you seemingly waste that waste that moment. I always thought like I always had like this idea of them putting the title on Sai Eden as having her be like Samoa Joe with it. Yeah, they could they could absolutely do that because she is she is uh, she is very much on the smaller end. She's like four feet something. Yeah, <laughs> she's very tall. I mean, yeah. I saw a graph yeah, yeah. earlier about stardom heights. I was like, who is one hundred and forty five centimeters? Like, it's probably Sai. Yeah, yeah, uh, Sai Ida. Um, I could see Waka doing some work with the high speed title. Azumi Koguma are are not done with it at least for the this year. Uh, Starly Kid, I think she's she's moving on to. Tag division, and I could see her with uh, some white belt challenges. I don't know if she'll win it. Who knows? It's very hard to grasp who stardom is going to pull the trigger on because there's so many options. It's not because the booking is bad or anything. It's just yeah, the booking's been so good that there's like ten viable people at any point in time. They can just that's that's what dra- that's what makes Dragon Gate's booking so good is the ability to cycle talent in and out uh, and heat them up seemingly you know as quick as they can uh, th- that's just a sign of good roster being built and having credible opponents at all times yeah it's good because yeah it's stardom like the the title scenes are like filled there's always somebody there to fill in the gap of the next challenge yeah, and it's not it's not overplayed, it's not overdone. No. Uh everything always feels fresh. Uh I mean, just take Unagi, for example. Even though she's had a title match like every month for the past year, for some reason, whenever she challenges it, it's like, oh yeah, okay, fine. She's got a tag title shot. Uh next she's got a white belt defense or a white belt shot. Yeah. Just sure, why not? Yeah. Uh and then can kind of repeat that cycle and she's a viable person to beat and she won't kind of lose her star power. Yeah, she just it doesn't hurt her losing. There's one thing I do love about stardom is that they have no problems having inner inner faction matches. Yeah. Yeah, that's been a big uh critique of mine from uh New Japan over the years. Yeah. Cause when uh Yutami when she first won the red belt, her first title defense was against Momo. 
And then we have... Let's take a look at the World Climax cards. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> Stash from back to, to top to bottom. Let's see. Two, four, six, eight matches on night one. And then... On nine? Nine matches. <laughs> wow. Night two. Yeah, we have Baby. Yeah, we got back to back revolutions here. That's what's happening. This is gonna be a, a very, very fun weekend. God. Oh, I, yeah. I just I love how these cards have come together. Yeah. <clears throat> Are you a big Dragon Gate fan? I've wanted to get into it. I just haven't started. So I bring it up because last year they had uh the two-day Kobe World uh event. So a lot of companies are kind of doing two night WrestleMania, two night Wrestle Kingdom. Uh, Stardom's Stardom's doing Dragon Gate did the two nights Kobe, and what Dragon Gate did was they just go they have a format for their undercard, uh, filled it out with a couple interesting matches, and then throughout the rest of both nights they just had every title with two challengers, and they just kind of set it up with simple booking where it's just you're the challenger and you're the challenger. And it's amazing to me that when I see how like Wrestle Kingdom went about like their double title heavyweight thing, they chose not to do the never title on both nights kind of deal. It was just one night this, one night that. I think they really missed out on that. And then the heavyweight title was this convoluted G1 story when they didn't New Japan didn't quite know how to grasp what makes the event special. And then when I looked at Dragon Gate, they really did with just the most simplistic storytelling, which is you're the challenger and you're the challenger. It's amazing how much that works better than trying some complicated story around it that seems to annoy fans more than get them excited for it. And stardom here has taken the Dragon Gate route where it's just, I want to beat you and I want to beat you. Let's do it. <laughs> Essentially, yeah, it's just literally what Saya did after her match. So I want you, and I want you. And it's and it's two of the <clears throat> kind of top people from last year. Saya Kamatani wants to conquer the top two people in stardom that existed last year. Mm-hmm. Like with uh, when she called out Tam, I could see why people were like, "Yeah, it's too soon." But then I think I thought about it, and it's like they're one and one right now. Exactly. They have that. Uh, not, yeah. Yeah. Not to mention the, the Cinderella was kind of over the top rope. Eh, you know, you can kind of brush that off. It's fine. <clears throat> I think they had, well, um, Tam beater in the five star, I believe. Right. Yes. Yeah, I could be wrong there, but yeah. And like title matches, they're one and one. Yeah. And if let's just say Utami wins, which is, I wouldn't put it past them. She's also beaten Utami last year. Beat her in the five star right. too. Yeah, I mean, it, it, like it makes sense to me. I don't, I don't mind a quick turnaround. And in this sense, it's funny how we how we were talking about <clears throat> the issue with Thunder Rosa being a quick turnaround. Well, that's ten days after she had just lost the title. Mm-hmm. When many people have lost the title match to Britt Baker, and what makes Thunder Rosa so different? <laughs> like she sends them to the shadow room after they lose. <clears throat> right, <clears throat> and when I look at Tam Nakano, like, okay, this is going to be essentially not quite four months, but January, February, ah, eh, three months, <clears throat> full three months after their last match, 
I mean, that's. I mean, it's not a long time, but it's not yeah. a short time. Yeah, there's been enough of a gap. I I, I think I, I'm of the mind it's enough of a gap, and and the Utami factor makes me extremely interested to see to come out of that because then when if Saya beats Utami, that's a huge win for her, and to me it gives gives the Tam match even more importance because then th- you know, it's kind of. The, th- the theory yeah. of well if you beat her and I beat you then I also beat her <laughs> if Saya wins both matches <clears throat> on both nights it, I feel like she's jumping ahead of a lot of people in the line for the red belt well I mean that immediately establishes Saya as a top person in the company and she could then viably be in any main event whether it's Mayu and Kyrie. uh I was talking with JPQ on episode 100, Redleaf Retrocast, and the kind of only scenario we weren't feeling was Tam winning. Yeah, that would kind of just be like, why? She does. She just got out of it, and I know like we enjoy it, but not a lot of people enjoy the Tam style match. I mean, a lot of there's some Western fans that don't like it. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I've I've always gauged that the Tam run was highly successful and the majority liked it both in yeah, uh, really domestically and internationally. Yeah. Yeah. I'm also, I'm very intrigued by this match with the, the first one with the Saya and Utami because it's far removed from their first encounter for the red belt. And they were very different back then. Like Utami wasn't the final boss. Saya was nowhere near being Sayabusa. So I'm excited to see like where they are now how that match is going to go. Yeah, it's a, it's not quite a rematch of the Budokan Hall show from last year. That was a surprising booking decision by the hat man. <laughs> but now the tables have turned. Saya has a title and Utami doesn't. And I, I do like what they're doing with Utami. Where she's not, she's not winning, but she's not losing. Yeah, she's, she's cycled down and she's still being protected. Yeah, yeah. that's, that's what you should do. <laughs> yeah. And that's what I like. That's what I want them to do with the with the Momo thing. Like every time there's a match between them and the Wado Tai, she's she's not winning, but she's not the one eating the pin. Yes, it's an important distinction. Yeah, and uh, I I was very much kind of feeling via the uh, the booking pattern of Stardom that Momo is set up to be kind of this big tag run, and sure enough, she's in a tag title match with Starly Kid. So there you go against FWC. Uh, that's a very exciting match and I'm definitely uh, I'm definitely vibing with it. <laughs> well, that's going to be a good one. But the night is going to kick off with the future title match. Hanan defends against her little sister, uh, Rina. Sure it is. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be five minutes. It is the future title match. Yeah. And then we have uh, the big girls coming out. Saeeda and Mirai. They're going to Hit each other very hard. I think Saeed is eating the pin in this one. Uh, yeah, can definitely see that. Although, although her just barrel rolling over Mirai would be interesting, and that would essentially to be set up them as rivals. Yeah, and that would be hot shot cool. her back into the fray of things. Yeah, I so Mirai had the big title match that kind of established her as a potential main event talent. Now with Saida, 
she was still kind of a undercarder up yeah. until her injury. She was just kind of starting to get started. Was she the future champion uh, at the time? She was, yeah. yeah. So I have no idea how they're how she's going to come out of the gate. Uh, Puro and Joshi booking would say if you if you come back from injury, you're losing for a little bit. I I mean, stardom definitely doesn't go go against uh, or uh, doesn't go with the norm in that regard. Yeah. They definitely like doing their own thing, which is a breath of fresh air. So yeah, we'll see. We'll see if they re- uh, reacclimate her slowly or give it give her a big win right away. Next would be the uh, tag match: DDM Donald Mondo's t- duo of Micah and Thecla versus the Prominence duo of Risa Sarah and Suzu Suzuki. Yeah, not quite how I saw this uh, this heading when they did the big uh, Prominence debut and going into DDM, but this is. Uh, mm-hmm. This is clearly going to be a longer term storyline that was not going to climax at World's Climax. <laughs> this is yeah. merely merely the first stop on what seems to be a road to more. Uh, I'm just going to call him Ice Ribbon now. That's all I'm going to do. Fuck the prominence name. <laughs> <laughs> Ice Ribbon is essentially in stardom now, minus Sukasa. That's it. Yeah, that, that's literally what it is. Like they, these were the top, some of the top of Ice Ribbon. Yeah, Tekla was top gaijin. Risa Sarah was the biggest star the company's ever had. Suzu Suzuki, ex-champion, uh, young prodigy type talent. And then you got Micah here from <laughs> Just Tap Out. <laughs> Lots of different things. And uh, the uh, former Austrian EFED champion, Tekla. What would you do in this match? I'm assuming... I don't want to say it, but I think Micah's eating the pin. Ooh, I think because I don't think they they can pin Thecla, but I think it's going to be a point to have Micah lose to Suzu probably. Interesting, not opposed to it. Yeah, but you got it. I feel like I feel like with Starn, we always have to ask if this goes to a dime time draw, or would you be okay with it? <laughs> I'd be okay with it. Yeah, I'd be okay with this. But this would be the match. Yeah. I have a different match in mind. What would it be? Uh, I'll get to it. <laughs> okay. But yeah, like if the, if that's how it's going to end, it, I figured you'd want you want Suzu to look strong going into the that match, that one that they're building up. I don't know what those match when those matches are going to happen though. That's yeah, that's <laughs> where that's where I don't know. I don't know the timeline of the des- destination. Mm-hmm. And since this is the start, I mean, Tekla could lose, Micah could lose. I don't think Prominence should lose Ice Ribbon. I don't think Ice Ribbon should lose. No. <laughs> it's either a draw or they win. Yes. Now. And then this one, which is kind of intriguing, it's kind of a nothing match, but it's all the factions. It's the DDM trio of Natsupoi, Himeka, and Mai Sakurai versus Kazuk Angels, uh, Mina, Momo, Momokogo, and Waka. Then you have Oroitai consisting of Saki, Death, and Ruaka, and then Queen's Quest, Lady C, Azumi, and X Mystery. They might put the rookie here. Yeah, because this this is after the New Blood show, right? Yes. Yeah the the New Blood show I think is in a few days. Uh, yeah. I I could see Miyu Amasaki 
Ma- Amas- Amasaki. I- I'm going to get that name right one of these days. When we hear it, we'll know. <laughs> Miyu. Yeah. Miyu. I do like well, how... if I say Miyu, people think Yamashita. They got a teacher of the skull kick. <laughs> yeah. I-, I do like how uh, Rossi brought in a Miyu just to feed her to Yutami. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. I like that. Yeah, this is interesting. Like, I thought, because with the uh, another match I want to talk about that's coming up too next week is the the tug of war match. Where that also could be the Ricky being the fifth member. But I was thinking of like alternatives. Like, I was thinking maybe because there's two people I think Azumi could call in for backup, which would, if she's still wrestling, that Meho Shizuki. And then she could also ask Kyrie since she has a thing with Starlight Kid. Uh, I mean, Kyrie's possible. I like the May. I like the May uh, call. I'd like to see her back in wrestling. Them because um, they were they tagged even or even Poi too. Because remember they had that they tagged once. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they have she has the uh, camaraderie with Lady C since Lady C was always chumming it with DDM for a long time. Yeah, I wonder what Mio Momono's status is. I think she's still recovering from uh, the back or hip surgery she's had yeah um could be could be one of the new blood people that we don't know yet yeah it could be there's a, there's a there's a lot of options here yeah. I, I don't th- i don't think i don't think there's a poor poor choice no uh next is the well we went over it briefly with the tag the tag team title match fwc uh, Hazuki and Koguma versus Starlight Kid and Momo Watanabe as they've been dubbed Black Desire. Yeah, baby. <laughs> <laughs> that was that's an interesting choice for a name. Okay, my first thought was like a perfume. Yeah, but uh, I know some people have dirty minds out there in the gutter. Ah, disgusting, sick, sick freaks. Absolutely, uh, Black Desire. I think is winning this. Seems right. Yeah. That yeah, that's basically it. <laughs> There's not much to go over here. Kind of just put together. Yeah, it's tough. Normally, I would say like if this was a main event on a cork, and it'd be like hell yeah, match of the night. I whoo. Oh no! Now with the two main events, the three main events. Oh yeah, <laughs> the top three. This one, uh, Kyrie's return. She asked to team with Mayu. Mayu obliged versus Tam Nakano and Yunagi. Time draw, baby. <laughs> <laughs> right off the bat. 20 get this, minutes. Get, him out, get it out the way. <laughs> do I uh, think Kyrie should backfist uh, Unagi into outer space? I do. I, that, that's my ideal finish. Unagi assesses her fist. <laughs> just have <laughs> it. Her face. Do it like how uh, Kingston did. It's a punk. Just right off the, the bell rings. Just bam. Just bam. <laughs> well, I definitely don't want to see this match end in less than seven minutes. <laughs> definitely don't want that. She's going to make her tap to a Boston Crab. (laughs) (laughs) Treats her like a young lion. Yeah, that'd be funny. I mean, I'm not opposed to a time draw on this one. It's Kyrie's big return match. Her putting on a 20 minute banger. uh, Teaming with Mayu. I think think that's really cool. Uh, The only other scenario is Unagi eats a pin, but they're really high on Unagi and Unagi's uh, infectious personality. It could... I think that... (sighs) Something about a time draw just makes it seem more appealing to me. Because you, you leave it, leave the single matches open. 
Yeah, you leave you leave the pinfalls for something more important. Uh, I'm really into this like Hatman booking um, with the usage of time draws. It's like ah. Because I don't need to beat them, then who cares? Because on paper, <laughs> it sounds like, oh, they just draw all the time. Yeah, but there's just kind of reasons to the draws. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I watch a, fuck, I watch a lot of NBA and NHL, and they go to they go to overtime a lot. <laughs> just having to watch shootouts. Although I did just watch the Utah Jazz win their first overtime game in like four years. <laughs> Good. <laughs> I know that was a big Dude, win. When, I, there, when I heard that, I went, what? What a wild stat. Yeah, it's, it's like, man. I guess either they were really. Either there was that period where they were good, and they, or they just that period where they sucked. Ah, uh, the the team is notorious <laughs> for fourth quarter, uh, fourth quarter collapses. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we talked yeah. about this one already. The one of starting title match of we did. Yeah, Saya Kamatani and Utami Hayashita. So we'll skip over that one, and then we'll go to the main event, which is Sherry defending the red belt against Julia. Oh, I'm kind of feeling Julia wins. I mean, I can kind see that. it. I can see that. And then they got the Mayu rematch the next day. They went to the time draw the previous show. That was a yeah, that is true massive match. Ah, there's something about Julia that just feels right right now. She feels. I mean, she's one of the hottest people in the company. Yeah. I mean, I I do a match guide like other spreadsheet dorks out there, <laughs> and I uh, Julia is the top woman in the world right now. Uh, Character-wise, in-ring-wise, she looks healthy. She looks great. She has some injury issues in the past. Why not now? Yeah, she, I, I don't have Since coming back against Konami, she's been firing on all cylinders. Yeah. Yeah, and a nice little three-month run for Shuri. Nothing, nothing wrong with that. No. Uh, she, do I see her? It was definitely more about the her? chase. Sorry. Well, I'm not, I'm if the opponent winning makes sense, I'm not opposed to short reigns. There's there's nothing wrong with that as long as you continue to book that like they're not totally cycled down because you do have to keep them a semblance of of important and hot if they're coming off a, a short reign. Shuri was definitely established and protected for a long time. Do I also see her possibly coming out of this weekend? Like still champion? Sure. Um, I think that's a that's a sign of I think that's a sign of good booking for your main event. Uh Dragon Gate last year for their main event heading into that double Kobe shot was a good example of that as well. I could have I, I saw any scenario of all three of those guys coming out of the weekend. And that's that's a very good sign. While comparatively to uh, Russell Kingdom, we all just kind of thought, yeah, Okada's coming out. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's it wasn't even a question. Yeah, that's just, I, did, I really didn't consider Julia because every time I look at Julia with the red belt, there's always something in her way. Like they always find a way to keep her busy. Like mm. right, they have they the, do the, a good job with that. The, the Suzu thing going on right now. Uh, last year she got injured, which I'm assuming, I always, I thought the five star final was going to be her and the kid. And then they had to pivot to Momo Shuri. But we'll see. I mean, this one literally, this one could go either way. Next night. Next night is 
the winner of the future match goes against my Sakurai. Another five minute classic going on right there. <laughs> <laughs> and then we have I think the, my soccer is winning. I would not not be opposed to that. I can see that they've been with the DDM switch, giving her a new attitude and everything. And then yeah, we, exactly. And then we have yeah. the uh, the battle royal with all the new. Now he's going to assess everybody. <laughs> oh yeah, she's going to start with uh, Mesa Ruga. <laughs> yeah, May Mesa Ruga's making a wacky little battle royal appearance. Good for her. That's going to be fun. I, w- I do want to see an interaction between like Tomoka and Ida. Oh, that would be pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And then we have the follow-up to the Wonder title match. This one is the loser, which either could be Utami or Saya, goes against Mirai. Yeah, interesting interesting uh, stipulation to keep him on the card. I mean, that kind of tells me that Mirai is beating Saya Ida on day one. <laughs> yeah, you got to keep her strong. <laughs> yeah, you got to keep her... You gotta, yeah, you got to keep her uh, credible for people to care about this match. Mm-hmm. And... Mirai is here to eat the fall to the loser on night one to keep them, yeah, keep them credible themselves and hot and, and uh, still a big match for her. Yeah, and two. either of, I think I'd rather see Utami versus Mirai. I think that that match just appeals to me more. Yeah. Which they're really be swinging at each other. Another, yeah, it gets me to see uh, Tam Saya three, which I was a fa- I, I like I keep I keep going back to it. I was a big fan of both their matches. And I would, I, I just love the idea of a third. Yeah. So just, I just love big, big match Tam. <laughs> I do too. I love big match Tam. And I do like how the, when they did those two matches, how like the first one you could tell like Saya wasn't ready. And then the second one you could tell she was, she prepared herself more. Yeah. She was more experienced. Work, work, to, work to their rivalry and story and the growth of the wrestler. Yeah. Yeah. And then this one, uh, which I'm glad oh, they yeah. didn't, they didn't skip this. Uh, Hazuki and Momo, Hazuki versus Momo Watanabe, when they planted that seed at the the December twenty ninth show. I forget the name of it, but that's that, right. The what they call it? anniversary tag. Yes, where they had like the brief moments of like old QQ, where they worked together, but then at the end, Momo pieced out and left Hazuki to get bodied by uh, <laughs> Takumi and Mayu. Yeah, yeah. that's right. Yeah, this is gonna rule. Yeah. I mean, it could go eight minutes, it could go thirteen, it could go thirty-three. I'm in I'm in for any any of it. Yeah, they're this, gonna kick each other's fun. ass though. That's that's the thing. Yeah, they're gonna forearm and kick the crap out of each other for however long they're they're given. Somehow Hazuki's gonna take a face bump. I don't know how. <laughs> it's gonna happen, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like the match she had when she had her uh, red belt the match against Utami and she took a airy crash on her face. I was like, how? It's going to be interesting if Hazuki hits like a Maestro Cradle and pins Momo. That's going to be interesting how they're going to uh, salvage that. I mean, they could. I mean, they could have her lose night one and then have her get the win back night two. But I still, I would, oh, I would they, push if they yeah. if they don't win the tag titles. Yeah, I kind, I kind of, I kind of feel that whoever wins the tag titles is going to lose this match. Just to have it go one and one, right? And because because it ah they can always rebuild this right back up. Well, yeah, no, the, that's that's the difference between kind of a main event spot and a nice little undercard match, mm-hmm. undercard mid card type thing. The the 
the loss doesn't hurt as much as losing a big a big match. That makes sense. Yeah. Because Momo Hazuki is not going to do they're not going to be a one and done. No, not at all. No. And then it, that, it'll probably it'll probably be referenced like back in the Cinderella or in yeah. the five star. Uh, there's going to be a, there's going to be a lot of uh, follow ups to a match like this. And then we have the high speed trio trios match, not trios three way of. Yeah, these are always fun. Yeah. Koguma, Azumi, Natsupoi. Azumi Could Azumi lose? Uh, possibly. But if she does lose, I don't see her. She won't eat the pin. I, boy, it'd be, be very interesting. I, I'm, I'm really feeling a Koguma win here. Yeah, they. she's always there. She, she's had title matches for this belt every pay-per-view, it seems. Yeah. She's 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 really fine for that title. She wants yeah. she wants that high speed title badly. It's like well, she lost against Kid, and then uh, Izumi came and challenged, and she was like, "Hey, no, I'm in there too." Yeah, I wonder if they'd do it. Wonder if they'd do it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, no better time than now, right? I mean, she just won the title, but again, it's the high speed title. I'm not yeah. married to the idea of long title raids with it. Yeah, and then this one is the. Oh boy. Time draw? <laughs> yep. <laughs> so, you always got to keep that in the back of your mind. Every Kyrie match is a time draw. <laughs> she, she ain't losing. <laughs> if, uh, she ain't winning. She ain't losing. I, man, I'm, I'm on my podcast. I might just reference this one and be like, hey, if you want my full thoughts, go listen to Strong Stylish. There's the there's the full thoughts long episode, long, long drawn out. I don't know what to make of Kyrie because. I said on my podcast, I don't know how, to- how much time she has. We, n- none of us know her physical state, how much she's able to withstand physically. We don't know how long she, she could be here one year, three years, five years. We, we don't know. Uh, so depending on all these X factors, seemingly, I don't know how these matches are going to go. Could they be time draws? Could Kyrie be built strong? I think they should. She's a huge star. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't know how big a star she is uh, in the sense. I, I know she's got a big social media following. She's one of the most beloved stardom people of all time. Will she bring back a lot of old fans? I don't know the answers to that. We're just going to have to see how that plays out with her and what her role is. Is she going to be a main eventer? Is she, is she going to be like a Chris Jericho role where she's just in cool ass upper mid card matches all the time. This, uh, this, uh, th- these two sumo hall shows are going to be, uh, very telling to me yeah. what their plan is with her. And kid losing is not going to hurt her. No, no, not at all. No. You lose to Kyrie. You don't, you don't lose anything off no. it. And she's been ever since her heel turn, she's been on the up and up steadily. Yeah. Uh, Starlight kid. Uh, this is a big test for her too. Like this is that, this huge, is that style yeah. of match. Like where it's not just high speed and she can get away with doing her normal stuff. She's going to have to adapt to Kyrie. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see yeah. what Kyrie's able to do in ring. Yeah, let's see if there's rest, which I'm assuming there will be a little bit. Uh, I, I bet she's been I bet she's been training like really hard. Yeah. <laughs> she's right. in phenomenal shape. She is shredded. Yeah, she's got like eight pack abs. 
are she could probably bench press three of me if she felt like it. <laughs> the shoulders to carry the world. Yeah, the <laughs> stardom world climax. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, following that is going to be a five way, which would be the loser of the world title match, Julia or Sherry, with the DDM trio of. Uh, Himika, Micah, and Thekla versus prominence consisting of Suzu Suzuki, Risa Sarah, Akane Fujita, and Mochi Miyagi. Yeah, interesting. I wonder if this will go to a DQ or something. Yeah. Suzu could get disqualified trying to get at Julia too much if she's the one in it. Something, yeah. Uh, it's very hard for me to believe that anybody in DDM would be eating a fall in this match. No. Uh, Mochi Miyagi, I always assumed like she'll eat yeah. all the all the pinfalls. And really, do I think any other member of Providence should eat a pin? No, no. Because technically, isn't Akane still the Ice Ribbon Champion? Fantastic, yeah, yeah. But that title has yet to be seen in 2022. Yeah, she brings out the Austrian belt. That yeah, we've seen that more than the Fantastic <laughs> title. And realistically, I can see anybody on DDM that. here winning, like getting the the pin. Yeah, in the back of my fantasy Booker armchair man uh, mind, I mean, there's three viable people in DDM with heavy ice ribbon ties: Shuri, Julia, and Tekla. Mm-hmm. Neither could all- I see someone defecting? Quite possible, because DDM is huge right now. They are what eight members? Yeah, and then you subtract one, and if prominence is going to be a regular thing mm-hmm. in the promotion going forward on like select bookings, then yeah, it's possible. Definitely. Especially if Shuri like loses the title, and then she just kind of snaps and. Beat up somebody. Know. Yeah. I could be like, I could be like way off base and it's just, yeah, Mochi gets pinned and we kind of move on. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, next show. Also, too, like with, with how the numbers were going when it was five to seven, I thought maybe it, there's no way in how that would happen. But like, you know, Suzu and Risa, they both have tag team partners outside of Star. They could have brought them in, but there's no way that Sari would come to Star. <laughs> no. <laughs> Yeah, no, no, no. that one, and then we have the two title matches, the singles belts. Uh, the winner of Saya Utami is going to go against Tam. We went over that one. Yep. And then this one, interesting. The winner of Julia Sherry is going to go against Mayu Iwatani. I kind of yeah, that. we're getting a big match, Mayu match. Do you see her? Do you see a scenario where she could win this title and come out? Mm, it's still kind of. I wouldn't say too soon, but she was the second to last champion. Like she just had the go back to as we were talking about earlier, the Scasta syndrome. And that's not, funny because Mayu's only had that like one run. Yeah, <laughs> like, she, she had the first one where she got injured. She had to lose it to Tony. Right, so that like doesn't count. Yeah. And she had she, she I mean she could. I've also seen people write her in as the winner of the five star, which they've never done a two time, right? Five star winner? No. Which could be interesting. No. No. I don't sound too sure. Yeah. 
I don't think they've done like with the tournaments, the Cinderella and the five star. I don't think anybody's won them twice. No. But this is very interesting because no. they so. she has the as we we're talking about earlier, she has the time draw with Julia in the last show, which is how we got here with the double title. And then we I'm have not oppo- I'm not opposed of another Mayu title run, especially with the factor that Kyrie's back and there's a lot of new talent and she's expressed interest and retiring too. You, so and Mayu's run was during the pandemic of all things. True. She uh, yeah, the first one of her first defenses was against uh, Saki Kashima at the No People Gate. Right. Yeah. So there's there's, there's a lot of there's a lot of things that still uh, 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 look. It was two years ago now. Yeah. And Mayu sh- run. Sh- Sherry never got her rematch. Sherry never got a rematch. Mayu uh, never got a rematch for the belt against Utami. My- yeah, Stardom doesn't really do that, though. Yeah. Um, Unless your name if, is Micah. <laughs> you get so like if Julia, four chances. A very real possibility is Julia loses. Mayu beats Shuri. She holds the title during these fans, and Julia could be a two-time Cinderella winner. Julia could win the five-star. Barring health, of course, yeah. and beats Mayu for the title. I mean, that's very possible, and definitely. I'm, I'm definitely way into that. I mean, yeah. who would be against a Mayu main event run? Nobody with fans and and this developed roster now. Nobody. She has so many matches that she hasn't done yet. Yeah, let me just let me just pull up Mayu's uh, defenses during the pandemic here. Let's see here. Bear with me, because this this is this is kind of the point of what I'm trying to make here. No problem. World of Stardom Championship. <laughs> Love this cage match site. Very useful. <laughs> Comes in handy. Yeah. So she faced uh, B. She beat B. Priestley for it. Not the company anymore. Kagetsu retired. Momo, who's in the middle of her heel run, or brand new. Jungle Kiona, not in the company anymore. Shuri. So that would be this match. Takumi Aroha. Not in the company, and then she lost to Atami. So she has like the whole roster yeah, to she, face. Literally, only two two people besides Utami who beat her that are still there or there in the first place. Right. So you could have an Utami rematch, which would feel fresh. Uh, you would obviously do the Shuri match here, and then all those other people named. Uh, I mean, you 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 would have Hazuki. Uh, Kyrie, Starlight Kid, throw Natsupoy in there if you want. Yeah. Mirai, I mean, the list goes on. Even if you want Himika, to, Micah? yeah, Himika, Micah. Even if they wanted to for like a, a fun match, they could throw Hanan in there. Oh well, <laughs> throw, her, throw her into the fire. <laughs> yeah, maybe in four years. <laughs> yeah, which is oh shit. Sorry, my mouth hit my mouse. But, oh boy, don't do that. No, but yeah, this is very intriguing. Because literally can go either way. All three of them could walk out with this belt. Yeah, I love this scenario. Yeah. Um, so I, I guess going over the all these cards, the only kind of scenario out of both nights is Tam walking away with a white belt. Like that's it. Yeah, that's the only like one that would can be a complete shock. Yeah, and in the in the negative sense. Yeah. Yeah, these are all, both these nights are going to be phenomenal. 
Uh, did you have a prediction for the Cinderella, which is coming up next month? Ah, everyone asked me this. <laughs> I don't know. Don't know. Ah. <laughs> Shit. Um, a lot. I see a lot of Starlight Kid being. I, I've seen a lot of Starlight Kid, a lot of Himika. Ah, uh, this one's hard. No one's. No one's really saying Hazuki. Yeah, this one's hard because it literally can be anybody at this point. I mean, I think it would be really cool if Kyrie won it. Mm-hmm. Just have her come back and do it again. Prove that she yeah, still does got it again. It. Sets her up for a big title match, and she can win the white belts. Yeah, because she has uh, that little little moment with uh, Saya. Right, her, she told her to do her best. I I think that'd be I think that'd be super cool. Um, I keep I keep going back to we just don't know how much time we have with her, so just book her while you can. Yeah, because you never know, especially in Joshi, you never know. Oh God, yeah, you never know. <laughs> they exactly, can, they can retire at nineteen or thirty-five. You, just, you don't know. Yeah, or fifty-five in some cases. <laughs> yeah, they just can't let it go. It's like Terry Funk. Can't let it go. So uh, I, I'm. I, I guess I'm. I mean, in my heart, I'd love Micah to win. Mm-hmm. But everything seems so top-heavy now. I like. I like them keeping her busy where she's at. Let's go with Kyrie. I'm, I'm definitely liking the Kyrie idea. The more I talk about it, Kyrie. Yeah, that. that I 100% see that happen. I I had Himika pegged for a while, but now I just don't know. I yeah, I just don't. I don't. I don't see Himika as more than kind of what she is. Maybe maybe she'll get yeah. a white or red belt title I, match. That's right. This she year. had a little bit of momentum, but now she's just there. In the way, like in a sense, like in DDM, she's just there. I think that's okay. Yeah, I mean, everyone, everyone needs a, a Yumi Ogura. Yeah, <laughs> out there, you need a good there's hand. A, there's an AJW deep cut for those. <laughs> 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 oh, one episode I remember I forgot to tell you, but I was laugh. I laughed uh, when you got to the the double Jeopardy match. It was the two matches happening at the same time. Oh my god. <laughs> I remember because I had just watched that like a little bit ago and I started like when you brought it up, I was like, oh boy, <laughs> this is gonna be good. That was so wild. It's like, I don't know what's going on. We got the jumping bomb angels in one ring, we got Yumi Ogura and Bull Nakano killing each other in another. There's weapons and then yeah. there's yeah, over there working. Weapons back on. <laughs> <laughs> like the jumping bomb angels are over there working, and then you just see Bull with a trash can. <laughs> yeah, it like got a girl upside down bleeding. Like she like she's gutting an animal. Like what is going on? So Jesus. What do I what do I look? Yeah, the camera can't really focus on anything. Yeah, that was a good Retro time. wrestling. So it's so good. That was a good time. Well, before I let you go, I had one thing. I didn't have it on the docket when I started, but I wanted to ask you about uh WXW. Oh man. Oh, what do you want to know? Because they recently uh, they had their tournament recently, right? That you were talking about. Yes, so it's called the sixteen carat tournament. It's a three day tournament uh, annual. Uh, they weren't able to run it the last couple years because of the pandemic, unfortunately. And uh, this was a company hit uh, in a weird way, similar to Ice Ribbon, except not truly their fault. It's because everyone like went to NXT UK or signed with WWE. Then there was speaking out, but they didn't get hit with the speaking out part. They got hit with investigation part. <laughs> oh, they skipped. Well, okay. 
there was some uh, issues with uh, abusive training, which they did the due diligence and uh, uh, it was an investigation, police press release, people got fired and they've come out of the pandemic late last year in August. Uh, they started a show and the first couple were uh, still empty arena. So they finally had, they got Axel Tischer back, who was part of WXW's um, humble beginnings, essentially. And he's been a good champion. And over the last couple of years during the pandemic, they've essentially had to rebuild a whole roster from scratch with just barely any dudes left over. And what, because of the pandemic, they couldn't get a lot of the talent from the UK. They couldn't get any foreigners in there. All they could do is kind of get talent from mainland Europe and specifically kind of central Europe. And they've run their academy. They've trained wrestlers. And it's such a good example of a company utilizing a downtime and staying afloat and building up this new talent to be kind of ring ready for when fans came back. And over the last few months before 16 Carat, they built up a lot of storylines and they all culminated in this weekend of this big three-day tournament. They brought in a few. Uh, they were able to fly, fly in some foreigners. Some people couldn't make it, various reasons. And then they had... Uh, they always do like alternates <laughs> just in case because it, you know, things happen. Flights, uh, someone gets sick, you know, whatever. And what this has culminated in is some of the most satisfying wrestling uh, you could watch as a fan. Uh, your investment has paid off in following the storylines, your investment in seeing a promotion kind of install confidence in you as a fan that what you're watching is worth it. Uh, it's a promotion out of Germany, uh, West Germany, and uh, it has dual commentary, English, German, if you so please. There's subtitles, if you so please. Uh, good production, uh, good presentation. Uh, I personally prefer the German commentary. Uh, I, I do speak it, so that helps. <laughs> I, just, I do know German. Uh, so that's just my opinion. You, the, the English commentary, they do have uh, a new commentator, and he's, he's pretty good. He's from uh, uh, Britain. I forget his name, but he's... You've, you've definitely... If, like, if you've watched uh, like Rev Pro or various other uh, UK promotions, you've heard, you've heard his voice before. And it's just kind of no nonsense and they're setting up uh, new characters and turns. So they, they really strayed away from the stereotypical Western booking tropes of the eighties, you know, no group interference, not a whole lot of comedy, you know, plaguing matches and, and uh, putting halts into it. Uh, the main event was super. The main event of night two to establish the world title uh, was super effective. In it was a four way again story culminating. Each guy coming out for the match was given a unique entrance, which I r really wish more companies would do something like that. Make your main event feel special and unique, and make everyone feel special and unique for that match. It really, it really makes a difference to establishing some sort of star power. And it's something WXW definitely needed to do. It's what European wrestling really needed was a good, a good boost for the scene. 
And I still need to watch night three. I watched the first couple matches, but the first two nights was so satisfying. And I have yet to see anyone speak neg- negatively over the show. It had a good attendance. It's overall a good time. You can sign up wxwnow.de or en. Uh, and it's like nine euros a month. It's very affordable. Um, the quality's good. The uh, you're guaranteed a good monthly show at the very least. They even do um, a house show or two a month. Uh, that has storylines and booking that uh, supports your money. I, I'm I'm a big believer in what this company does, and I cover it on the podcast uh, all the time. I haven't covered it in a couple of years because of the pandemic, and they just like haven't run. <laughs> but um, patience paid off for them. I'm very I'm very happy with it as a fan. Awesome. Well, JD, thank you for coming on. It was a pleasure to finally have a sit down with you and talk wrestling. Yeah. Thanks. Uh, thanks for having me on. Was, uh, all you had to do was ask. Awesome. I will definitely be coming back. All right. <clears throat> uh, where can the people find you? Yeah. Twitter at Bowling JD. Uh, Redleaf Retrocast podcast, all your favorite uh, outlets. Uh, retro gaming, anime, lots of wrestling, lots of women's wrestling, lots of Joshi. Um, start an article on the Patreon, do LLPW reviews, Joshi 2010s is kind of the big factor there. I'm doing monthly articles. I just started a top five Western Joshi matches of the month. See what I did there? <laughs> <laughs> Quote- quotations. Yeah. Yeah. Qu- yeah. <laughs> Joshi quotes. And so I hope everyone enjoys reading that. I'm going to try to do a little bit more writing projects. Um, I feel like I got to apologize for my co-host Kay. He's been out uh, fighting Russia. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> is uh, yeah, he's doing he's doing what he can, but um, yeah. it's basically me and various guests. I do have something special for the Patreon uh, to replace him in the meantime. So hopefully, anyone who joins feels like they're getting their money's worth. And I hope you support. Sounds good. Uh, our ventures in women's wrestling. Definitely, yeah, definitely go check them out. He does a lot of good uh what's the word excuse me <laughs> working content <laughs> working content like the numbers you cover you cover a lot of the numbers yeah i, I mean I, i'm an engineer by yeah. trade and uh yeah just numbers kind of interest me in yeah. all facets that's good yeah i definitely enjoy your content everything like i'm i'm on the i'm in the patreon I listen to the episodes. So yeah, it's definitely good content. So if you want to hear more of JD, you can go check him out at his Twitter and his Patreon, the YouTube channel. I don't know if it gets updated that often, but no, I keep I keep the I keep the YouTube updated with uh, okay. the audio content. Yeah. All right. Cool. That's good. Well, that was Strong Shots episode nine. Thank you guys for coming on, and we'll see you next time.